What's up, everyone? Uh, I think I'm going to put this up as a bonus pod, probably on the day of the Lord, because uh, maybe Jesus can nudge it along so it's not cursed anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Stu. You you guys know Stu. What's up, Stu? Hey, what up? Yeah, let's talk about how cursed this episode was. So we recorded this thing how many months ago? Uh, at least three. Yeah, so a long time I'd ago. Say, I'd say four for sure. Yeah, something like that, like a long time ago. And uh, and it was all fucked up, dude, because here's what happened. So we're recording. Um, we got the Rob Calvert interview on here. Uh, Rob Calvert from Clinch Fist, uh, legendary 90s Nardcore band. And uh, Stu left high kicks the uh, cord, like Crow Cop okay, style. Okay, dude. Like Crow Cop. And fucking <laughs> disconnects the machine. So so half the interview's <laughs> lost. All right. Then, uh, so I do the... Uh, I do the first half of the Rob interview again over the phone, so you're going to hear that. It's like, first half of the interview is on phone, and the second half is like when we did it in person. But it came out really good. He's a super interesting and funny guy. Yeah, and, uh, good. The, the story's super rad. <clears throat> but then, fucking, uh, so this, this episode is about Stuart's Reflections comp that's going to come out on cassette, which is documenting all the 90s and hardcore bands. And... Basically, like, we recorded this thing so it would line up when the comp comes out, which was supposed to be, what, March? Last, March? Yeah. Uh, April? The beginning, of, the beginning of April, and then we were then there was a show for it on the 25th. That's right. So it's going to come out in the beginning of April, and we're going to do a big old release show at the end of April. But then uh, the plant fucked up, and, like, the tapes came back all corrupted. And so yeah, then, the, the tapes didn't sound good, so we sent those back, and then... Ever since we sent them back, they've ha- they haven't been able to even open the doors to the plant, and so put a big hole in everything because it's COVID nineteen bullshit. Yeah, so Stu returns the tapes to get them fixed, and uh, and then fucking <laughs> the hundred year flu comes through, so <laughs> it shuts everything down. So that's that. Um, what you should do is you should follow the label, Stu. What's the label? Uh, for the kids records, FDK. So it's FDK. Um, it's on Instagram. FDK records. Yeah, FDK records. Yeah. So follow that on Instagram and and watch for updates on when this is going to come out. Because uh, we're going to talk about it like it's coming out or it should be out by now. But uh, so that's all pretty confusing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a fun episode. It's talking hardcore. It's fucking now a bonus pod. Listen to it. Listen to the Rob Calvert. You know there's a fucking story time with Forrest. This episode's fun. And, uh, shit. Yeah, and follow FTK Records at Instagram. So when this uh, comp comes out, you listen to it. This this episode's like our review of the comp, so you're going to get it all. And, uh, you know, you'll know from us listen, or from the episode, like, we've listened to it. And it's fucking awesome. I mean, the 90s in the 805 area is so diverse. And, uh, yeah. And Fred did a really good job of putting out the localism comp. But, you know, an LP can only hold, like, 24 minutes, 26 minutes of music. And, yeah. And this thing's, like, an hour long, right? Well, that yeah. It's, like, uh, it's fucking two hours long because not only do I have localism bands, but also I have all these other bands that I would see flyers for but not know who they were. And I was like, who the fuck are these bands? So I figured it all out and uh, kind of brought it all to light best I could. Yeah. So it really is like, you know, you usually get a comp and you're like, well, what about this band? Why was this band left off or whatever? Like, Stu actually documents like 
the 805 like you know, really, every band in a really good way from like what 1990 to 99? yeah 90 yeah literally it's a whole decade yeah so i think you guys will really enjoy it and uh you get a zine too and i got the zine i won't tell you any but yeah i got the zine you got yeah. 300 of them so the packaging is gonna be cool you're gonna get a cassette you're gonna get a zine and uh so just follow ftk records instagram for this thing and uh, let's get on with this cursed ass episode, huh? Let's go, dude. All right. Ah! What up, everyone? This week is another episode of Talking Nardcore. And uh, stoked. We're going to go into Stu's Reflections cassette comp. And it's uh, fucking awesome. So there's that. If you would like to support the pod, please like, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please just give a like. That'd be cool. Or leave a quick little review. This pod is awesome. You know, something short. It means a lot, and that is the best way to support the pod, other than sharing it with your family, your friends, and uh, even people you don't like. Fuck. Maybe they uh, come around, you get something in common, something you can talk to them about. But, uh, yeah, also, if you want to go the extra mile, um, you can become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south become one of the true american heroes one of my personal heroes these are the guys that uh they throw down a little bit of money every month to support the pod and it really keeps me going um i'm not lying i'm not trying to make any money just trying to not lose a shit ton of money because if i lose money i have to stop and uh that's that so if you uh you want to help out consider doing that um and let's get on with this shit dude fuck Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. All right, everyone. This week is another episode of Talking Nardcore. That means we got Stu from Omega Point, yo, and we got the legend. Episode one, Joe Rivas. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> this week um, and this month, March, um, we are celebrating. Stu is putting out the Reflections compilation on uh, on cassette. And uh, we talked about it, I think it was like... Episode seven. Way back, episode seven. But uh, a lot of work went into this thing. And, you know, sometimes projects take slow, but... Uh, it's fun because now we have Joe and we're going to, we actually know like the whole track list and we're going to dig in again. And so just go again. Like none of us get tired of talking about 1990s Nardcore. So yeah. And some of the songs have actually changed. Yeah. I changed songs because yeah. I'd listened to it a few more times. From when you guys did the pod back that number seven. Yeah. yeah. So. And just more opportunities were thrown at me like, oh, there's this band and like, oh, there's this song. And I just like got more material and had more to work. Like I listened to a lot much, a lot more music from that time and I was able to, um, Make it sound better and put songs that represent the bands more. Yeah, yeah. awesome. And uh, yeah, and we got more pro mics this time, so we sound better. <laughs> we sound way better than uh, that first setup. Anyway, 
let's just jump right in. So, Stu, uh, can you tell us a little bit about this comp? Like, what's the format going to be? Um, what's it, you, you're doing your own label? No, I'm going through uh, a poor anime based label that just that has uh, come out like the last couple months called uh, For the Kids Records FTK. I love that, and um, it's my homie JP who is in a band called Strike Fast, uh, like early 2010s hardcore band. Mm-hmm. Um, such a good band, and he just saw the spark and like all these kids starting these bands and. Um, he just decided to run with it and started his label and he's put out a few bands on CD and um, he's releasing the last Strike Fest EP on cassette as well. And um, yeah, I think uh, Reflections is going to be the next project for him and I. So Cool. So that's coming out on cassette this month? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In March. Super sick. So let's dig into the track list and... Uh, Get everyone's take on this stuff. Let's go. Let's uh, start with your band, Joe. Oh, no. Oh, uh, first song. First song. I think that uh, it opens the, the comp well um, because it has that. This is the later recorded Oxnard version. There's two versions, one on the um, Psychobabology 7-inch, and then this one's on OK. Uh, but it's on this the demo. With... It's not on the 7-inch. Oh, sorry. it's on the 7-inch? Yeah. Oh, it's on the demo. Too long for the 7-inch, huh? Because it's like a three-minute song. Three and a half minutes. <laughs> it's a long one. Um, but I feel like th- this is uh, the better version of the two songs. Zach, you disagree, but whatever. Yeah, we can just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, man. But whatever. <laughs> no, I enjoy the... I mean, look, a lot of times the first thing you hear is going to be the one that you emotionally connect with more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course, you know, of like course. even if you like get into some band on their like fourth album, it may be they're not classic material, but to you, it is. It is. So, so inevitably, you know... Like a lot of people talk about, you know, ill repute here in the song Oxnard. This is like, oh, hey, there's another song named Oxnard. Like, yeah. sick. This one's cool, too. Yeah. And uh, I love some of the lyrics on it. And so one of my favorite lines from from the original changed on here. And so that's all. It's like, I love uh, that they originally said, the bands of old shredded it up. Forever will they shine. And I just love that line, and it's gone on the second one. Well, they didn't really feel that that represented it anymore. They, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it just flowed better that you know when we recorded, it. and I wanted to make them different because I wanted them to be to each of them to have the ability to stand out on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you had the demo, you had you had the real thing, and and then. Whoever got this new thing got, got a different version, so Plus, it's not the same. Beaches strewn with seagull guts? Yeah, right? That is so ill. Yeah. But I definitely wanted to change the, the loosest sluts thing because, it, you know, I, I always, that never sat well with me saying that the first time. And so changing that for the second one, it, it felt better because I didn't, um, you know, I'm not going to say I was like proactive, uh, you know. Me too, back then, or something like that. But I, I definitely didn't want. You felt it was a disrespectful line it's, in hindsight. It's, it's, it's disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. fair enough. And you know, and that came from a billboard for Las Vegas. We got the loosest slots, like, right? So, obviously, you know, and that's that's just what we, you know, it just popped into our heads as we were riding in the parking lot at the at the living room. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. <laughs> you know, to, just before we're ready to record with John, John Lyons. So, yeah. So that's that song. Great song. Then uh, follow. We go into shoes right after that. The masterpiece. I fucking love that song. And you were saying this is a Maury song. Maury wrote the music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maury being the drummer for the band, but he's one of those ridiculous guys that can play fucking anything. Um, but Maury, Maury wrote the music. Yeah. You know what you say? I was just to say this is a hell of a song because Burning Dog, you guys do break out and get intricate sometimes with your instruments. Yeah. But I say this is a pretty, like, simple song as far as playing your instruments. Yeah. But the song itself is a little bit of an opus. Like, yeah. It's pretty epic. It's a great song. Well, it's got multiple parts. Yeah. 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 It's so bouncy. Yeah, yeah. It's so like it's so epic for like keeping the playing simple. Like it's like an intricate song. Now the, I don't know. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Now the first song, the the Oxnard song. Um, we, re- we recorded it ourselves at the Ghost Chamber, and that's on the 99 record. This version of Shoes is on um, on our... Last Days. On Last Days, the Edge, the Edge record, record. But we also have a demo of this song that we recorded. Um, and those lyrics were also written in the parking lot with me and Justin, Justin Lomansano, which is Forrest, Clinch Fist's cousin. Justin and I wrote all the lyrics just before I went in and sang it. So cool. they're they're a bit juvenile, but they were perfect because because it, it's exactly what I wanted to to what you want to lay down to to, to, to portray in, in the song, you know, in Oxide. Yeah, because it it was kind of a true story. Yeah, you know, that I would get really drunk and pass out and yeah get fucked with you know it was all Oxide rule that don't pass out with your shoes. Oh on yeah, all that, all that all that stuff you know. But this you know like we would John and I would sneak into parties. By helping, just grabbing like a symbol and fucking carrying it in. Sure. And that's how we got into the party for free. And then there was, you know. Yeah. We'd so never had a car talking beer, to shit, but, Talking to shit to people you didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Going around twice in the pit and grab a chick's tit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's a bit disrespectful. But, the, but that's that's pointing out, you know, that she turned around and smacked me in my face. So, yeah. Anyway. Shoes. Uh, That's my my absolute favorite song. Uh, so me too. That's a song I heard, then I realized that I like Burning Dog. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Mumbles. Shout out Cockboy. Those are great songs too. But shout out Skip Groove. It's <laughs> your fucking jam, dude. And then we go into your brother's band, Boiler Man. Oh, straight into Boiler Man. Ooh. And well, that's the match. It's a right? family affair. Yeah. I wanted that. Yeah. This uh, song is so like intense like in your face like i feel like i'm getting like pushed by it like i'm yeah. getting punked while i'm listening it's like it's like someone jabbing me like yeah. with it's moving at like an, a nice fast pace but like the the starts and stops of the guitar is like so aggressive and like the little breaks and so forth yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. i actually really love this song and this is you know the second half of the song going into like kind of the rap metal stuff is something i'm not a fan of at all but you like E Town though. Yes, yeah, it's, it's different style. Oh, okay. Um, but this is, I really enjoy it. I don't. Something about it, like it reminds me of like. There may have been. It might remind me of like some song on one of the Tony Hawks or something that like, like the, this song. Bring the noise. Maybe it just it sound the song sounds like nostalgic to me. Yeah. On like the rap, the rap part, like it doesn't sound. Cheesy, like the flow sounds really good. Yeah, 
I love the the simple guitar part with the break over the beat. I don't know. I love this song. It's on this. Yeah, it's Pika playing drums, uh, Davi playing bass and singing, uh, Angelo Miles uh, playing guitar, um, and Tom Angulo is also doing backups in there. He was the other singer. They had two singers. So one, they're going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly no, actually, I think it's all Davi on this, but except Tom just does some of the backups. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I dig this big time. Great song. Yeah, yeah, cool, great choice too. Thanks. Recorded at the uh, Ghost Chamber as well. Chamber. Yeah, and the recording is awesome. It is. Yeah, is it all you? Yeah. Why does the yeah. in control demo sound like good? Because that wasn't me. It was Roger. You guys didn't want me to do it. You wanted oh. Roger to do it. That, oh, Roger, throwing some there's, heat. There's some heat, heat from '99. I, 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 I gotta say this: that that I would go in and I would set everything up, and I track the drums, and then I would go and get tones and everything else for for them. But then Davi would just run the machine, sure. and he did all the vocals all by himself. Mm. Um, so fucking Jesus, I, I can't take a whole lot of credit for it, except you know, like the initial setups on everything. I love it. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. All right. What's next? Voice of Defiance. Which one? Um, let's go into White Names on the Black Wall first. So first, Seven Inch. Um, I like the song. I wrote the bass line. It's like, yeah, I like it. It scoops. He's doing a song about uh, the Vietnam War, like seeing the the White Names on the Black Wall at the memorial. So pretty good. Anti-war song for a bunch of teenagers. I enjoy it, and I like my baseline. Yeah, it's the only. It's like the only song in the mosh part. Yeah, it's a good ass mosh part. Yeah, it's and that that shit is straight lifted. Straight <laughs> OLC. That that riff is lifted. <laughs> so, um, then we go into Born Again by uh, VOD. Yeah, and uh, this is off the second seven inch. It never really. Barely came out because it was <laughs> 90, on like ninety nine copies. Yeah, it was on some Euro label break even point and ninety nine copies, and then they put some out on cassette as well. Um, and yeah, I don't. I love this song. This is like definitely one of our best songs. Um, I've talked in the pod a lot of times. I like uh, I like songs about loving hardcore and like you know the scenes alive, like the scenes thriving. Like I think that. Hardcore, sometimes we turn inwards a little too much and, and we're like trying to not be cliche. But I think if you do things well, then then roll with it. And so the scene's alive. Like, I love that shit. I love fucking anti-racist songs and I love fucking unity songs. Like, there's you can't have enough of them, in yeah. my opinion. So Because these are things that, like, everyone can agree on, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. If you talk about, like, what is punk and hardcore, like what are the things we agree on? Because many people have different politics, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like, well... But there are some standard tenets that... that, that yeah, that, that it's like... Beats that we all feel. Right. Like, and you have to... I, yeah. I don't know. I don't... I don't Common themes. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm just one guy. But in my opinion, if, like, these are boxes you have to check. Like, are you down for, like, unity? Like, people being different and coming together and, like, finding something that unites us, which is this music. Like that's like a, an original hardcore theme. And I think it like should be said more today. And then of course, anti-racism, if you're not on board with that, then we don't want you around. Kick rocks. You know, Seriously. 
So, and then same with this, like the scene's alive. Like it, you know, punk and hardcore is a youth movement. You want always like new people coming in and like flourishing in the scene and keeping it like positive and young and new, but still being respectful to the old guard and, you know, having not anyone feel like they're the old man in the room either, you know? So the respect goes both ways. And, uh, I don't know. I thought Scoops did a impeccable job with the lyrics on this one. And uh, I love the song. So I, good choice. Thank you for including this. Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> let's go into, by all means, Clutch, by all means. This is great. So this is Roger's first band. It's uh, Roger, Alex, and Ryan Scholey. <coughs> Alex is still... Um, Around two, I saw him pretty recently. Excuse me, guys. <coughs> I, um, the fuck did I see him? Oh, I saw him at the Notomotive reunion. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's him on bass, and he's he's doing the uh, the backup singing as well. And then Roger's on drums, and, yeah, Ryan Scholey's singing. And, uh, playing guitar. Yeah, and playing guitar. And this song is cool. They're just, it's new school punk rock. Roger playing totally. as fast as he can yeah. on... On drums, them just trying to sing nicely, and and it's a catchy little song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's home. so close, but so far away. It didn't have to be this way. <laughs> yeah, love it. Great choice. Um, and this uh, came out on seven inch. It did on, yeah. a, on a on it wasn't on a label. It's just a blue seven inch. I think it's self released. Self released. White vinyl. White vinyl. Yeah. Do you have it? I have it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering because I think that they they pressed a fair amount. 300, 500. Yeah, I think they did five when everyone else was doing three. It's like, you're going to get stuck with a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> they never meant did five and we're, just, we're like, dude, take these, please. Yeah. They never meant. That's great, though. <clears throat> Let's go into Clench Fists, Nowhere Fast, and Reflections. Um, I'm taking it, Joe. Well. Okay, so, uh, yeah. No. Well, they're like your brother band, right? Yeah. yeah. Them, F-A-Y, and Burning Dog, it's all like a unit of really close friends from the same area. Right, right. And uh, all relatively the same age, uh, same experience um, in the 80s with, with punk. You know, you know, it's the, the tail end of the community center shows and all that stuff, and we... Go into the '90s and have this uh, resurgence there in the mid mid '90s, you know '94, '95, um, and we all started pushing pretty much at the same time. I mean, Burning Dog had a little bit more um, oomph behind us a little bit earlier, but Clench Fist was probably by far the best band out of all of us, in the, in my opinion. Um, the song reflections, you know, uh, I had mentioned to Stu earlier that it's it's a big deal that you're naming the comp after that particular song because it, it's such a fucking good song. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's the best song on localism. It's the best song on localism, and I just think that it represents what I'm trying to do, which is, um, you're. I mean, you're, you're. This is like a past thing. Like we're looking at, we're reflecting back on the past. Which is that whole decade from 1990 to 99. And I just think it fit right. Because I had all these other fucking names lined up. Like, 
best damn place in the fucking scene or like <laughs> like fucking like to live and die in the 805 like just yeah. fucking corny ass things like, oh why don't I just name it after the best song yeah yeah I think it's you could have named it quality of life too then but I could yeah we'll get to that in a minute but um you know Maury playing bass in this band he was the drummer in Burning Dog but he's the bass player here uh Forrest just such a fucking amazing Brian Baker replica, but from Oxnard with his, own, with his own style, you know, influenced by, you know, Henry and Kyle and, 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 and Tony, um, and Casillas, uh, he's, he's an amalgamation of all of that stuff in, in one. And it's, it's, it's pretty damn good. I mean, he's still, still like that. I still get, you know, this, this new Nard, Nard comp, that's coming out, you know, that the song he wrote, the way that he plays the song on the, on the, on that one is, is phenomenal. He's, he's still, he's still the man. Yeah. Um, what's the other song? Nowhere fast. Well, yeah. just on the reflections real quick. Yeah. Cause we yeah. joked the first time when we went through, um, this comp and it's just like, that song is so fucking perfect. And then he's and then it's like, over the I know. Part. And it's like, it's like, oh, how can this song get better? And then it goes like this perfect breakdown. It's so hard. Like, it's like, oh shit, this song can't get any better. And then it's all, and it's like he hits this fucking, this face melting solo. Yeah. You know? And then again, you're like, fuck, dude, this song can't get any better. And then they hit the chorus again, like go yeah. fast again. It's like, ooh. Like, yeah. it's just a perfect song. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I just wish the uh, the recording, yeah, um, that we had a quality uh, version of this. You know, the original demo was great and it sounded pretty good. Uh, it re- recorded it with John Lyons at the living room, um, but it's you know third, fourth, fifth generation tapes that that it is. You know, so we get what we get with it now. Yeah, but, but damn, it was good. Um, Probably the best version of the song is the one that's on, uh, on the vinyl on 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 Fred's comp on the localism comp. So is this a different version than that? No. Okay. The same. I just feel like that one was just mixed or mastered better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's well, also well, probably if this is it's probably from a first gen tape exactly that, that Fred had. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it was good stuff. It was a great song. The other song. Nowhere or, fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it rolls too. Yeah. Um, you know, Forrest wrote these songs with these quirky changes that, that he's that he's famous for and you know, with the you know little octavy stuff that he does and all that all the flourishes and stuff and then you know, Rob just delivered these great uh, um I mean the vocals I mean, the the lyrics themselves aren't the Best lyrics. They're not, you know, super like, oh my god, those are amazing. You know, it's such just, a, such they're a just fun, but they're fun. They're, they're really fun, fun, dude. There's so much energy behind like, it. He goes like, he goes, uh, da 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 da. Fuck. One two, <laughs> one two. Fuck you. It's just like yeah. fun shit. Like, yeah. You just that forest lick you're talking about is pretty ill, though. Yeah. There's a, that's a, there's a serious forest lick on this song. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say about Reflection Studio. We did re-record that. I had them re-record that the original band in 2012. So there is a version out there if you want to hear a slightly newer version. Um, I don't think it has quite the energy that this does, but it's at least sounds better. So yeah, yeah, sweet, yeah. 
Gotta hear it. Uh, let's go into repeater. So I, I put the, the the two best tracks from the decade back to back because fuck it. That's how I ha- that's how like I listen to this whole thing today, and I'm listening to it unsequenced. But for some reason, the two songs came back to back. That's tight. <laughs> and and I was like, who <laughs> like. <laughs> like it's a fucking duel. It is a duel. Yeah. Showdown. And I, uh, I don't know. That's a it's a fucking duel. I would I would call this one a draw, but I'd say this repeater song is repeater eight hundred quality hook. of life. Yeah, repeater eight hundred quality of life. And I mean, it's so sincere, right? Like, and also like kind of an angle that hasn't been done. So the singer was in the military, mm-hmm. right? And this song is like about. It sounds like he's talking about like he wish he wasn't in the military and he wishes he could go home, but he's like yeah. trapped. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that's pretty much that's a pretty rad. Or you yeah. go home just scarred. Yeah, from the military. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I just it just feels like he wants out, and that's a it's a pretty rad angle, I think, especially with like us being in you know hardcore, like people don't um, express vulnerability too much. Yeah, and if it's vulnerability is. She here is like all it's I don't know it's so it's not life situations Service. vulnerability yeah. it's like the way I feel about something or this or that it's not like oh I'm in a situation I'm fucking scared and want out yeah like that's so visceral um and his vocal delivery Dude, from vocal delivery is fucking perfect yeah from going to like you know kind of like the mellow mellower shouting to like the like the big shouts. Um, he just has so much dynamic range for a relatively, you know, he's not hitting notes, so he's singing monotone, but the range of like loud to, or soft to loud is huge. Yeah. And then, of course, Martin, the bass line is ridiculous. Yeah. The notes that kick in to, uh, to like, Soothe the bass line down, you know, like just him opening the song. Brilliant, just the vocals opening the song. Yeah, Quartes! yeah. Like, oh, when I heard that, I was yeah. like, Where's this band from? Yeah, no, I mean, Where's it's this? a great song. It's yeah, it's neck and neck with reflections as you know, the greatest narcore song of the 90s. Period. Yeah. Well, speaking and of Pat and uh, Max, you know, no motive kids in that band too, with Martin from Dick Circus. And then Eddie Bug singing. Yeah, it was just a great combination of those guys together at the perfect time. Yeah. Town place. Uh, speaking of Martin, let's go into Dick Circus. Is it Monkey? Uh, let's go into It Is Okay first. Okay. And this is the Again, pro gay song. Yeah, just, just the, the same way we talk about loving anti-racist songs. Um, this is like an anti-homophobia song. Yeah. And... Fucking awesome and pretty early, yeah. you know. If you think about like oh, ninety yeah, sure. ninety six to yeah. to do that, there's um, a few bands that are talking about it in the eighties, but of course, not, not many. No, of course, yeah. but this is like kill, 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 homophobia, homophobia. Kill, 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 homophobia. Yeah. It's like sick. They turn it. In, they turn it into a catchy song. The fucking the subject matter is great. Um, Dick Circus for people that don't know is is uh, it's male and female vocals. So like the dynamic of the two. Is really cool. It hits even harder on the the next song, but uh, yeah, this is fucking great. Yeah, shows that song going into Monkey, which is your favorite song. Yeah, I love it because I think that the the male and female vocals they just work so well on the song, and also this is probably my favorite song ever to air drum to. 
because uh, <laughs> I just John, John Carrara. So the the singer of Missing Twenty Third plays drums in this band, and uh, he's just it's he's playing so fast, and he's he does these fills in the song that just feel like he's fucking hanging on by a thread, and he's like still pulling it off, you know. And I was just like, oh shit. <laughs> And like, and knowing because like this is before drum punches or drum fixes. Like they're recording this at the living room. I've recorded there before. I know that there's there's no fucking there's no tricks. trickery. There's no tricks. Yeah. So it's like he's Play. playing that fast. He's doing this fill that feels like it's just it's like, this ah! close to falling apart. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to start the song over. You no. know, and he he just fucking nails yeah, them. Hardest through it. Yeah. It's it's so rad. I love this song. Um. Fuck, you do the switcheroo, and this one, I mean, this is close to my number three song of the 90s. Thank God. You know? So. I should call the Calm Monkey, dude. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Drop out of school. <laughs> be a monkey. <laughs> Exxon 83. If those are my three favorite, then this is probably my fourth favorite. I fucking love this song, dude. So I gotta get the rest of the demo from you or whoever has it because Joe for sure has it. You got it. it? Yeah, I fucking love this song. I listened to it uh, the first time and and I hit up Stu because it didn't have uh, like the label on it for who yeah, what band it was. I was like, uh, what is song zero space zero one? That song rips and it does. Like this is like I don't know. It's I guess it's. It's like they're a crust band, I guess, but it's like crust band with with but they're not playing crust guitars. Yeah, because they're doing like they're not writing a riff. They're like holding out notes, like how like a new school punk band would. But there's no octaves, and then the singing, it doesn't sound like a crust band or a thrash band or anything. I'd say it would. It's 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 very like. I think it sounds like a. I think this the vocals sound like a, like a grindcore band like like one of those like call and answer like grindy it's just the it sounds like doom to me okay yeah fair enough then yeah. it, then it can sound like crusty vocals but to me it's just like the voice is so over the top like that it it just sounds like one of those bands would be on gloom you know like they're opening for Monster X or some shit you know like <laughs> it's just wild out of this world shit yeah dude you know I love it so. Just like those, the slow chord progression on the top of like the fast beat with like the zany ass vocals, like yes, please serve me up some more. You know, I yeah, love it. I yeah. love this song. Yeah, they were fantastic kids, uh, and then Craig was my age, so he wasn't a kid, but um, yeah, they were a great band. Like fucking Wrath Craig, hmm? fucking Wrath Craig. No, another Craig. Um, River Bottom Nightmare Band. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Let's move but on. I don't know if he was in Exxon 83 or Exxon OD. So that's yeah. what we were talking about on the first pod was yeah. which band turned into another band. And then we started talking about some 7 well, The goods had. turned into the bands, right? <laughs> no, it's, it was Exxon 83. They were Exxon OD. Before or after, Joe? Do you know? Uh, OD was after 83. Yeah. But if you wanted a big league, you know, it's like we're X on 82. More old school. Yeah. Um, older. <laughs> Pat Bailey singing. Um, if I remember correctly. 
What did he end up doing after this? Anything? Um, he was the first drummer for Night Demon. Um, he's been in a ton of bands, and I can't remember everything. You know, uh, Zoli left Ignite. They're nice looking for a singer. Really? Did you join Pennywise again? <laughs> they should get this dude from Megazone 83. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think Pat just moved back to moved to uh, Portland, so... Um, but yeah, they were a good band. They were good kids. Fuck yeah. yeah. Let's move on to Fix Hated. Stab Me. Powerhouse of a band, huh? You can just listen to it and hear that <clears throat> these guys aren't playing. And then you read the song title and it's like, yeah, these guys aren't playing. <laughs> Stab me. Stab, and the, their microphone, from some of the photos that I will have printed in the zine portion of this compilation, which will be about 20 pages long. Um, so get excited. Um, their microphone stands are like ribs and, uh, different spines, spines, different body parts of people. Did you ever get to see him? I saw him at, uh, Skate Palace. Oh, okay. Okay. Did, did, did Bill bring his, his mic stands? Cause they would bring those everywhere. I can't remember. Like, to be honest with you. Like of all the gear you need to bring, <laughs> that's what you bring. <laughs> it's so crazy, but yeah, they, he William was an interesting dude, and, and he what do you call that? Um, oh, he like took all the meat off all of those bones himself mm-hmm. and, and dried them and did you know did whatever you do to to, to bones. Holy that, shit, that, that people do. To, to you know, so that they're preserved for, right. for a long time, you know. Um, yeah, but this band was probably uh, D- Dave, D- Burning, Burning Dave, uh, Dave Bush, and I. Like we were in love with this band because they were so fast and like just punchy and everything, um, mm. everything that we w- always wanted to be, but never could. Um, uh, uh, Bill Bill Holiday was the singer. William um, Jonah Weber was bass player. Uh, Jonah did great backups too on this. Um, I don't know about this particular song. I can't remember if there's backups on it or not. But um, and then Aaron Abelt was the drummer. They get ribs. Yeah, Aaron's Aaron's phenomenal. And he had two. He he would play with um, two kick drums, like front front to back or like front to front. What? So so his kick drum was like four feet long. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like he he put the lugs together. Well, I understand what you're cool. saying. No, it doesn't I, make I, any sense. No. I, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it was crazy. Because he just wanted this big thump. Yeah. You know, for for the kick, yeah. 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 So, um, but we. The Burning Dog guys, we absolutely love this band, and we would try to put them on anything that we were playing because uh, we just love them. And and uh, yeah, super rad. The bottom. Zach's uh, oh. doing some good radio right now by looking at uh, some some part of one of the pages from Stu's. Well, um, just there's a 
It uh, wasn't it wasn't bad radio until you give the play by play of me oh, reading. Yeah. No, no, but now it's good radio because I'm giving you the play by play. Because they can hear you read. Yeah. <laughs> well, this band, this band is just terrifying, in my opinion. And like yeah. on their demo at the bottom, it says, "All rights reserved. Unauthorized, unauthorized duplication could leave you violated with a broken arm." Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good threat that you don't hear a lot. Like, no. Yeah, I'm gonna break your arm. He's w- William. He's, he's all man. I I love your guys' name to, to, to about burning dog. He's all. I got this idea that I want to shoot a video for you guys. Like, and I'll be riding my bike and I'll light a dog on fire, and it'll be like running. Be- like I'll tied to a rope and I'll be dragging it like up Main Street. What do you What do you guys think? No, no, no. go <laughs> vegan. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. At all. That's fucked up. <clears throat> Uh, moving on, the goods. I listened to this today and I don't remember it. Um, what do yeah. you know about? They them, turned Joe? into a different band. Were, were they the one? Other bands turned into the goods. Oh, okay. Yeah, goods, uh, goods was pretty much the end. So some of the guys from Silence Forever, um, some of the guys from Unabombers, gotcha. became the goods. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, What's this song called? Uh, can't help myself. Okay, it's not. The, uh, I'm getting mixed up myself. with like the band that did Freedom. Oh, that's Unibombers. Okay. That's Unibombers. Yeah. yeah. Um, Todd uh, Wiesenbacher, guitarist, singer. Uh, Mike Runyon played bass, who was also in Silence Forever. And I don't. I think Kurt was the drummer. I can't remember who played drums, but the drummer Kurt Wagner from Silence Forever. Mm. So. Cool. Yeah, they were a good band. It was. They had a very narrow window that they were a band, though. Mm-hmm. I love the band name. Yeah, I think it's, it's a cool a perfect name. band name. Yeah. yeah, so good. Um, it's going to to the fucking legends. Ill repute. The tracks I chose: Jamie Just off uh, Big Rusty Balls and Roots, which is your favorite song, Zach, which we've talked about. Off a of favorite lyric. Favorite lyric. Yeah. In music. Yeah, my favorite punk lyric ever. Playing shithole, staying at your house. Don't know why, but I love it. And then also, it's still good, like right after that. So let them come, let them go. We stick around because it's in our soul. No school old, no school new. What we do is what we do. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's what a fucking song. That's Tony. Yeah, I mean, lyrically, it's untouchable. Um, Great song. Yeah. You know? And then Jamie Just, probably... One of the standout tracks, if not the standout track from Big Rusty, Big Rusty Balls. Balls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Great song. There's other good songs on there, but yeah, it's it's probably the 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 most catchy. Whoa. Oh, that end, yeah. Genius don't care. Yeah. Jim's bass playing in that song is so good. Jim's such a good bass player. So good. Still is. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No motive. True reality. Can't fuck with this. Like, I think we talked about it before. It's like, <clears throat> no motive came out with that seven inch that was like, you know, you didn't know what to expect because you never heard it before. And then I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. And then. <laughs> I have a funny story about that seven inch. <laughs> you do? I do. Good. Uh, Jer- uh, Jeremy Nardcore mm-hmm. had a bunch of them and he was selling them at uh, Fremont. Okay. And, uh, People were like, what does it sound like? Oh, it just sounds like no effects. And so he was just 
giving people these seven inches that say this sound like no effects. And then they, they came back and were like, this doesn't sound like no effects. Well, I can't imagine anyone being upset. Yeah, though. seriously. Because it's like, I don't know, dude. The closest thing is like linoleum or fucking yeah. Lori Myers. Or just like these songs that's cranking on the do da 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 do da da do da 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 You know? That's that true reality song? No, the oh, no mode no, of seven inch. Yeah, okay, seven okay, inch. okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're throwing oh, me off here. I'm like No, but true so I was trying to get Stu said he had a story about the seven inch, so I let him jump in. Um Thanks. Sorry, that threw me off. No, no, well I was just gonna say so. The 7-inch came out, but you didn't know what to expect, so it came out awesome. This is crazy. Yeah. It's like... Well, because it had a ska song on, so... Very good. But even that one went fast. So then they do the the one... It's like a one-off song of the Localism comp, and you're just like, oh, shit, like, they're not playing. Because that song was pretty cool, too. It had, like, a pretty cool intro, and then again, it's just lightning fast. Yeah. Then I feel like there was a little bit of, like, a wait, and now the wait is probably fucking... Six months or some shit, right? But when you're like a 15, 16 year old kid, like time yeah, is more forever. drawn out. Yeah. And so they came out with these songs. And it was just like, fucking A, no motive, still king. You know, like these two songs are ridiculous. Um, true Reality is True Reality and White Cars. It's on the split with the choice on yeah, this live records. Mm-hmm. And True Reality is, I, I think it's a better song. For sure. I love it. It's it's great. It's my favorite song. Sick. Yeah, and then Pat's, somewhere Pat's drums on that. A true reality. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. So fast. Somewhere was demoed after all that stuff, but before they is post cynical pre and the sadness reveals. Yeah. yeah. And they did a lot of demos in that time when they were trying to kind of find their sound. They did like a demo that was like a little more hardcore e that Joe you did the backups on the yeah, scarred for life scarred for life yeah and then uh, this is like kind of just a I think they recorded these at the same time too though are you sure scarred for life and somewhere and one other okay tribute maybe yeah I don't remember but this is a more down tempo song um not my favorite no motive in fact probably not even top. 30 no motive. <laughs> I kind of hate, I kinda hate this song. No, <laughs> but it was, people liked the song at the time because it was kind of like. It's a transitional their, song because they re recorded it and it's just like, I think that yeah. it's a good bridge of gap in between this record that literally just sounds like, it sounds a lot like Battery and then they go in, they go into a completely different sound of the record after that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's got that droney feel to it, and uh, uh, yeah, it's good though. Yeah, let's go into Fooey wrongly. Take it over, Joe. Yeah, they were a band in Ventura in the uh, early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> this this song is pretty wild. Like I was listening to, it and I was like, okay, <clears throat> I can see how this band like they're. They're going for it. They're, like, pushing it. They're one of those, like, outside-the-box kind of punk bands, you know? Like, and the scene is, like, he's going for, like, a Jello thing, I think. Yeah. But then, like, then I was, like, taking a step back from it. It was, like, if you look at this outside, like, the box of, like, punk rock, this could almost just be, like, like, fucking Stuntable Pilots or something. Like, it's, like, 
just this kind of like weird like up tempo like, like rock, rock song. Yeah, like, it's like like here's it's a catchy. And, yeah, it is catchy. And I was just like, oh, it's it's interesting. Guitar rock is limiting. Yeah, it's like it's not that outside the box. Like even though you're trying to be outside the box, it's like I don't know. I just I'd rather listen to X on eighty three all day than this. Me too. So the, let's move into silence forever. Silence forever. Break the silence. This is an epic song. Huh? Yeah. Dude, so good. Super epic. Yeah. More well, melodic than I remember. The intro. Mm-hmm. The melodic intro, and then uh, yeah, it definitely gets gets it's, crusty. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, as it goes through. I know, but if you think if you, style, but if you think about melodic and crust, and this is being like, what is this? 96, 97? 97. Let's go with ninety seven. I pretty that, you could argue this is ahead of the curve you know I think that tragedy self-titled year 2000 yeah, well, rise it, well, and stuff like I eight, think like nausea pro- pro- like pro- nausea pro- yeah because like, nausea profane existence stuff it's there was all, all this sounded like it would fit with that yeah so. like it's not melodic the whole time like tragedy but it like as the there's so many songs that have like the guitar intro where it's mm. like D D D D K like I just think yeah. nausea immediately. Well, because it's that the you know dy- dystopian feel, yeah, dystopian yeah, yeah, society yeah. kind of thing, you know, yeah. and that's that's what they're trying to set up with the, with the song, sort of. But yeah, they were all good kids. Great vocals. Yeah. Love the vocals on that song. It's been nice, you know, uh, trying to help stew out. With getting these songs, I, I, I reconnected with some of those guys, and it's it's been really cool because I haven't talked to them in 2020, 22 years, twenty three years, you know, some of them. So it's crazy cool. Yeah, nice byproduct. Yeah, the that's film. the point, yeah. dude. Yeah, well, that's what punk rock's all yeah. about. Unity. That's what's uh, up. Unibomber's freedom. Is so I'm not that familiar with their catalog. Like, is is this them doing like a joke song or? Well, all their songs were sort of joke songs, you know. Hey, bitch, where's my crack? And you know, uh, but this sounds like is, is this like covery? Like that, that freedom? A, I, yeah, freedom. Yes. You got to read what you say. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Joke. Yeah. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. Twenty and, twenty guitars. Yeah, yeah but um, it was a fun listen. This is a yeah. cool song. Yeah, um, Buck. Buck, so I yeah. just want to mention his name and rest in peace, buddy. All right, book shit up. Do you think that this is the song that he should have chose? Do you think that there's a better Unabomber song? Um, I would have chose "Hey Bitch, Where's My Crack," but because it's just funny and ridiculous. But yeah, this is this is still a good song for them because because I think it perfectly represents what the, what they were all about. So okay. it's it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Hey Bitch, Where's yeah. My Crack sounds. Fucking good though, dude. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Fletcher, Buck, Todd. I don't remember who played drums in this. Maybe Todd. I don't. I, I can't remember now. It's been so long. Go. Next Fucking one. verminicious canids. Ooh. Barbecue. Take it over, Joe. Cool song. So back in the. Uh, no, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> we were who is, a who is the this. third base player? <laughs> <laughs> the third base player would, I guess, would technically be be Bobby. But then it would be Bobby Q. Bobby Wilcox. But and then that would be a whole different band, which would be 
Um, Shout out Bobby Wilcox. Coat hanger kids. Okay. Um, so I'm the second base player. First base player is Tattoo Howie. Anybody who gets tattoos in this local area probably knows who Howie is. He's an excellent tattoo artist. Um, but um, it's the, the Rhodes brothers, Dave and Jake, and uh, the singers, a girl named Molly Floyd, who now lives in San Diego. And and me. And this recording is me playing bass. So Sweet. I'm going to say this is 93 we did this. Did the recording. No, it's got to be 94, because the living room is going. So we recorded it with John. You so. guys toured off this? Uh, we did some like California tour shows and stuff mm. like that, and Reno and oh, a okay. couple other places like that. We never went further than that, though. Okay. Reno's far, dude. Yeah, well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. 12 hours drive or something like that, right? Yeah. Plus, we got stuck on the way back, coming back from over Donner Pass and... Like like it was snowing really bad, so they stopped this. It's like the one place you don't want to get stuck. It's like Donald's. Yeah, I know. What happened to the last people that got stuck here? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be that bad, right? (laughs) We were there for like twice. (laughs) We were there for six hours sitting sitting in the car, Uh you know, just snow. Because I guess like a truck's like jackknifed and through you know whatever their payload was all over the freeway so that you couldn't even drive through anyway so i had to wait till they cleaned all that up in the snow yeah and then i had to be work at eight o'clock that next morning and we left the show at you know you know what two o'clock or you know it was murder fuck (laughs) yeah sucked anyway it was a great band we had a lot of fun (laughs) and then it became um molly moved to san diego and that was the end of the band and it became Code Iron Kids, which we'll get to here in a couple more down. We will. But first, whereabouts. Mm. Album art with your handsome face on it. Battling the Nothing. Yeah. Opening track for that record, too, by the way. Yeah. Also known as IAN. When they when we recorded that, we recorded this at the uh, at the uh, Ghost Chamber. They... Um, why does the in-control demo sound this good? Because <laughs> I did it. Me and me and Armo did this one. Um, the uh, there's a there's a there's like a break in the song, and it's one, two, three. Yeah. But they Ian played it fucked up, the drummer. So it's one, two, three, like like half a three. Yeah. You know. So I had to count them in, like when Armo's doing the stuff. Yeah. So I would count, you know, when he's going back to do his guitar. So I changed it to I A N Ian. Oh. Little joke. Sorry. No, that's cool. Sounds a lot. They like- were a great band. They they sound nothing like nothing like any of the other bands on this. I want them on there. Yeah, but they were they were fantastic. And now you know Armo's success with you know Night Demon now and the Captain's Quarters and everything he does there for the, the studio and um. Yeah, kelp, kelp. Well, that's pre, pre whereabouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound like any songs on this comp, but it sounds a lot like No Motive. Yeah, this song, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, well, there were you know brother bands that those yeah. two ended up being you know so interrelated. Yeah. It sounds like far and. Uh... Yeah, that I would say that That's more than anything. Far, yeah. Or, um, yeah, because Johnny was really, really into Far too, so it makes sense that yeah. that would be. So, 
<laughs> fucking hated Far so bad. Hated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was you that hated them? Well, I think and that Jonah, yeah. a lot of us that went to shows at that time weren't fans of Far. Oh, fuck. You gotta understand, when you went to shows at like Showcase Theater and there was like no ins and outs, yeah. and you gotta watch some of these bands, you you really don't like them. You know, it's like, and they, the bills would be kind of mixed. I can't remember what show Far was on. We were just like, oh my God, like, get to hate oh. breed. Or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know. I don't I know. I remember seeing a flyer for a Far show. It was like Far, Rainchild, something. I, I think they. It was Far and Snapcase or something like that. But I would, like, yeah. I'll, I'll lump Snapcase right in with Far. Oh, so you don't like them. Oh, you don't like Snapcase? Not really. Uh, indeed. Alright, one track mind, I'll never learn. What do you think about that song? I thought the drumming was amazing. Drumming is nuts, dude. Yeah, so this is um now I think he got all his mojo from stealing Tony's cymbal. <laughs> Made him that good of a drummer. <laughs> we still we're still we're still we're still coming for it, We're still coming for it. There's videos of them playing and he looks Significantly younger than anybody else in the band, and he plays so fucking fast, dude. He, I don't remember it from like back then, because like there was guys. Obviously, Pat had such a <clears throat> a reputation for being like an insanely fast drummer, and then like Danny Walker was playing by this point oh too, God, and it's like he had a reputation, and I never remember hearing a fucking thing about this drummer. And I was listening to it today, and I was just like, oh, my God. It's like, unreal, dude. This kid is so fast and good and, like, clever. And, yeah, it's just rad. The only, this song, though, it's like, it's four fucking minutes for, like, a melodic punk song. Like, I know. wrap it's, it up, dude. That's pushing it, yeah. yeah. It's the, hey, it's the 90s. I don't know. I think, I think you should almost just blow this song up halfway through the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, explosion just, song no, over. Just out the tape lead. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could just fade it out myself. Yeah, you could. Because, I mean, it's literally just the song goes twice, I think. Yeah. Like, it's there's no point for it being twice as long. They're not building up to some shit. The chorus is that good. It, it Well, that's the thing, though, is, like, I do enjoy every part of this song. Like, this is a pretty good song, but yeah. it's just, like, long. four minutes is successive. Yeah, it's not right on the Ancient Mariner, you know? Okay. Minute thirty off, and you'll be good. Because <laughs> <laughs> four minutes is a lot. I mean, like two forty-five is like pushing it. Like, hey, yeah. dude, you know? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> uh, oh god. A A O against all odds. It's my life. I would love if you cut the song. It's my life. Yeah. This oi, is oi, us oi. or dude. dude I cannot oi, be you oi in the beginning, and it's literally the same so, riff from Nitro. Yeah. Hey, I'm not about stealing riffs. If you don't like it, stealing your own riff, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can could not be more embarrassed by the oi's, especially because like <laughs> I definitely so happy when you when you're oying. I think that they talked me into it because like they were all huge like No Effects fans. It's literally always because of the bruise and right, shit. Yeah, there's that like, one song, uh, the bruise, right? Yeah, there's that song, and they do always in. Uh, oh, they do it on one of the songs when it goes up tempo. Yeah, yeah, like 
like uh, Bob, kill the white man Bob, or something. Yeah, no, no, on Bob. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. It is on Bob. Oi, oi, oi! There's a new identity. identity. Sixty-two old air cushion boots and a girl ride a scooter to take him out of town. Yeah. So the so, snow effects pod that we're doing tonight is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like those always are so embarrassing because like it's. It's straight coming off no effects shit. You know, it's like Yeah. Oh, but you're bummer. kids, dude. We're kids. And it's and also I have that line on there, a thousand a thousand people die on a jet, but marijuana hasn't killed one person yet. Yeah. Jets don't hold a thousand people, dude. I know. <laughs> but see this 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 is, a, this is a great example. This is a great example of pre internet, dude. It's so good. Like, you don't know, like, okay, am I going to go to the fucking library? Yeah, yeah you are. Like, I'm going to go to the library and find out, hey, how many people ride on a jet? <laughs> so I don't fuck this lineup. No. He's like, dude, a jet, it holds a shit ton, a.k.a. a thousand. You should have said shit ton instead of a thousand. <laughs> a shit ton of people die on a jet, but marijuana hasn't killed one person yet. Uh, ah. So good. Anyway, hack that shit. <laughs> That's what we're changing the name of the cop to. Oi, oi, oi. Oh my god. Wait, oi, oi, snored. <laughs> Fuck. Right. We're um, derailed. We're derailed. Alright. Three point play heartbeat. Zach? Um, I heard these are really nice guys. <laughs> yeah, I work, I work with Sean. He's. Sean's a fucking great guy. Sean's yeah. a phenomenal musician, too. Yeah. Um, Dave Hall was in this band. Dave went on to uh, Kenji and uh, Glass and Ashes and uh, Young Livers and several other bands in there, too. But, yeah. Another four-minute song. They had a real narrow window as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's like melodic... Shai Halud tinged. Yeah, that was their main influence, Shai Halud, too. Yeah, correctly, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to It Doesn't Matter, The Time Has Come. You need to send me the demo, dude. I got it. So, yeah, if oh, you want to. If you want to. Uh, if you want to include a song, well, it's too late now. Maybe. But we'll see. But, yeah, It Doesn't Matter, my first band, me and Todd, Kevin Herstein. Um,. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Sound fucking good. Yeah, maybe maybe we can get you, uh, Mister Brown. Or something. Dude, I, that's I the song <laughs> I, I want, talk, dude. But that shit's embarrassing because I do the T formation. So like, so what? Yeah, but well, so you don't know the T formation. It's like the generic poppy chords. Da, na, na, na. Oh, okay. I don't know, guitar dude. Yeah. Anyway, uh. This is another one. I don't know. I'll, I'll get it. We'll see. Sick. That's my favorite. That's the best song. But yeah, they're all whatever. Mr. Brown's pretty funny. That's the one that I got like, I got told by that girl at the living room. Like, because like I had a line that says, I wish you were a horse so I could beat you when you're dead. And she's like, I don't like that. Like, I don't know why you have to talk about animal abuse. And I was like, you've never heard the, uh, the phrase beating a dead horse. She's all, no. <laughs> Go buy a Sex Pistols record. And Fuck. Come yeah. back to talk to us. 
Yeah. Anyway, I mean um, that's that saying goes goes far beyond that, but there is this sex business of flogging it in a horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, she was probably a poser, Joe. Probably. Yeah. Oh, well, then she should have the sex pistols. Oh come on, oh, it's crucial. Oh, you don't like the sex pistols record? No, I, lo- I, I love the sex pistols. Okay, yeah, same. No, no one can be too cool for that record. That's like yeah. a, I don't like that. That record rips. Yeah, well, flogging the dead horse is on the uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the movie record. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sid and Nancy. Oh uh, yeah. No, no. There's another record. Um, Great rock and roll one. Oh, that yeah, one. Yeah. 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 But anyway, right, more of your, a lot of trash on More of your bands, dude. Go. Cool. Standing ground. Mm, okay, so what you got? What song? You got Bound by Honor and Where It Ends. Okay, and so Bound by Honor, you took the 7-inch version? I did. That's the better version. I agree. Um, although people really, at the time, liked the standing ground intro on the demo. I don't think it was a very good intro. We covered that intro. Ding, 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 ding. I actually, that's yeah, pretty good. It's just it goes for a little too long. I think Rob and I were listening to it. We were listening to it Outspoken, and we looked, looked at each other because it was literally that. It was like a riff from ding, that. Ding, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of that. Ding, 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 ding. But it's like if you listen to all my songs, I do that on almost everything. Ding. But I didn't write the. Obviously, Todd wrote the intro. Um, as he wrote everything for Standard Ground. So, Bound by Honor, whatever. It was the hit song for the, like, I guess the band, or the first iteration of the band, or pretty, no, was, I guess that was our most popular song, period. Yeah. Um, I joined the band for the 7-inch. I was not on the demo. Um, but the song is, like, a little too too close to 10-yard fight. Like, sure. Um I don't know. It's it's the last thing before Todd like got, I think, to be a good songwriter and like getting into where it ends. Yeah, which is which probably is the best song on that. Not that. Then hey, need I add that this is an unreleased Stand Your Ground song? Yeah, so it's an unreleased uh, Todd Jones song. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. This demo never came out. We didn't really want it to come out. Um, you know, we kicked Aaron out of the band, and then, like, the band broke up, and it was just like, eh, I don't know. It, the we some of the songs from this last kind of sour. Became... Some of the lyrics, yeah. One of the songs from this demo became an control song, yeah. And I took a set of lyrics off this, yeah. and changed the music for another control demo song. Um, but yeah, this is the first time it's coming out, and you know, for the people that had ever heard this before. Most people think that this is like when Todd starts writing really good songs. Um, and this song is probably my favorite of those. Um, you know, decent, good fast part. The first, then there's an up-tempo breakdown, which is an insane Todd left-hand riff. So, you know, just dude. like so fast and then back to fast. And then like, you know, Fucking one of the first mosh big mosh parts, parts of of, of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. So I like it. Cool. Sweet. Thanks. Stoked. Uh, Fiy bleeding. Joe. Yeah. Um. This version of Fiy, which is fuck all y'all. Great name. Yeah. Oh, um, I fucking never knew that. Yeah. Really? 
I never do that. That's, That's so fucking awesome. wild, dude. <laughs> so awesome. There you go, Stu. Oh, oh shit. Well, our knowledge. Um, yeah, so Pika's playing drums. Uh, Tim Antonio's on guitar. Dave Ortega is the bass player. And this singer is Dave Thomas. Uh, later, String Quentin uh, sing for them. Um, let's see, Force recorded this four track. Um, I'm going to say 95, late 95. Force Cousin was the first singer, Justin, Justin Sing. Um, and you can find videos of Justin singing in FAY on my YouTube channel. If you care to look, Burning Joe. Um, I'm not trying to get clicks. I just. Is it. If, do you, if, you go if, to youtube.com slash Burning Joe? I think so. Yeah. I don't know how the Visual URLs on there work. I don't know. I don't know either, but. You probably just search f.a.y. in Bernie Joe and it should come up. Honestly, I have fucking no idea, but it's on there if you want to hear um, a bunch of these bands. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, mm, it's a hard hitting uh, chorus. It yeah. kind of gets you out of nowhere. Like it's like because it's, it's kind heavy. of like a it's kind of a grooving mid tempo track. Yeah, not necessarily like that hard although not melodic it's very like that dialed in 90s nardcore sound but then it's like it hits like that, a heavy pennywise it hits that yeah that's that can be a good way to describe yeah. it and then it hits that that chorus which is just like i'm bleeding i'm bleeding it's very hard it's fucking like, hard yeah it's rad yeah i'm pretty sure pika wrote this music um, and then Dave wrote these lyrics. Dave Thomas wrote these lyrics. And D- Dave's a f- like a like a professional singer. Like he would, he's he's got a f- fantastic voice range. Mm-hmm. You know, did you know plays and operas and shit like that. So he's 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 really 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 good singer. So, um, but can he dance? Yeah, I don't think he can dance. He can drive a UPS truck. That's tight. But that's what he does. I can't do that. Yeah. But FAY, they were great, great live band, lots of fun, an amazing band name. Yeah, so good, great band logo. And I love that logo, the so FAY logo. Yeah, sick. Yeah, it's Pika. But Pika so is cool. a genius, dude. Yeah, dude, he can do it all. Um, it's going to Pig Alley, badass boogie. Oh, this is Joe's soft spot right here. So good, dude. It's good. Badass boogie. Yeah. It's fucking Garrett. funny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. I enjoy Pig Alley. So, yeah, here's another band that doesn't fit musically with anybody else. Maybe with Fooey, I guess, since Fooey's on this thing. But, um, you know, Stacy uh, played guitar and sang. Stacy was such a, like, a diverse, such a, like, he's like a, uh, like, like a the ultimate the virtuoso cock rock guitarist, you know, like all mm. the Motley Crue and like all you, you play any of that stuff. Um, but he fell in love with Fooey, and then that led him into 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 this punk rock thing. He might have been into it more b- before that too, but that, but Fooey was really his catalyst. I'm talking for him. I really don't know that. I'm pretty sure that's the story. Um, but he was friends with 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 Robert Robert Bjork. Uh, and you know, Garrett and yeah, these kids. I, I worked with Garrett when he was a teenager, and I just loved this 
loved him and I loved helping them get uh, put put their record out and do all their stuff. And I had nothing to do with it. I just like gave them a motivation to to, to do it. You know, kind of like I did with you guys. But yeah, because, and but because I worked with Garrett, it was more direct. Like like I had more direct influence on it. So. Yeah. Um. And so for the people out there that are interested in Pig Alley, they're one of the bands on here that has... They're another one that has an LP. So yeah. you can search Pig Alley on Discogs and find it. Rock and Roll Mafioso, I believe. Mafiosi. Mafiosi. Yeah. Yeah. Mafiosi? Um, yeah. S-I, yeah. Uh, also recorded at the living room. John Lyons. Man, we gotta get John on this thing. Yeah. I know. Gotta make it happen. Yeah. Um, speaking of Pig Alley members uh, that they share with River Bottom Nightmare. Yeah. So Stacy and Robert, and then Bobby Wilcox, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, Matt Kuklinski, uh, who was the singer of Patient Zero, which you don't, you you left Patient Zero off this thing. That's no, okay, though. I shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, no, you well, did. We got 45 songs now. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's not on the. Yeah, the song we're right, yeah, It's not. It's that. not. A, okay, so the song I'm using. Let's talk about that next, then. Yeah, um, and uh, Craig McCracken played guitar as well. Um, they were a great band. They were a lot of fun. Um, narrow window of time that they when, played. When too. were they around? Uh, I'm gonna say '97, late '97, '98. Mm. I think a. I think maybe a little bit. Move later. the window. One year earlier. Earlier? Yeah. I think that... I feel like it was 96, 97. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. Because it was a bunch of living room stuff that they played. Uh, I know that's that's through all that, that time period. So um, it's a little blurry. The song's super cool. Yeah. It was a fun song. I wish there was uh, studio recordings. Yeah. And, and not just this live track, but... It's still a pretty good sounding live track. I thought so. I didn't know it was live. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I just thought it was, I mean, like we talked about before, there's some fourth, fifth generation cassette stuff yeah. on here. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. Like the next track we're going to get into, which is Patient Zero Aliens. Are you going to go with Aliens? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great <clears throat> Yeah. I remember them playing with uh, No Motive and Bouncing Souls at the Monday Club. Mm-hmm. You remember that show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another great band. Uh, another band that was, you know, consisting of a bunch of the Ventura kids. Um, you know, uh, band swapping, not unlike it is today, where all the band, all the band members are all in six different bands. You know. Uh, Patient Zero was a great band. Caesar uh, played guitar. Uh, Matt Kuklinski, who I just talked about for River Bottom, was the singer of this band. That's red. Yeah. Pat Bailey, the singer for Exxon, was the drummer for this band. Um, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Damn. And Matt Elkins was the bass player. Uh, yeah. Which you also don't have Deadwind on here, but that's okay. Who? Yeah, see. I don't think there was any recording. Two bases. A band with two bass players. I don't have Skinny Rogers either. Dude, well, Zarian's band had three bass players. Yeah. Charman? 
He was a band he did before Charmin. Yeah. Hmm. That's rad. Three bass players? You'll have to ask him. Okay. <laughs> I think I saw it before. Yeah. I think he had three bass players. That's wild. And no guitar, though. <laughs> but, like, I just felt, well, not that we need to go into it, but it's like the three bass thing is pretty rad. But you know what's radder is like having a guitar also, <laughs> you know? Like I just, I felt like it was missing that because like they could do so much neat stuff with like the three basses, but if they just had someone doing like maybe some spooky guitar over the top or just some atmospheric stuff, yeah, like sure. there's a lot to do. You don't have to have the guy playing power chords. Yeah. You know? I think that like yeah. it would have, that band would have suffered from having a guy a play what the bass like yeah, yeah. is doing. But if you found a guy that was just doing some atmospheric amb- stuff, yeah, ambient aspect, yeah, it'd be yeah. red. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Cohanger Kids. So Cohanger Kids, uh, yeah, they. This is from the seven inch. This is from this the from localism because I oh. haven't bought that seven inch off okay. Discogs yet. <laughs> I can't. I can't buy that seven inch with no cover for. Over ten bucks, exactly. Like, fuck, yeah. I know. It's so hard to because ju- it's like uh, fifteen bucks for a seven inch with no cover. Bobby, make that happen. Come oh. on, redo those covers. It hurts my soul. Yeah, you know. But I, I need it. I need to buy it. Yeah, it's missing out of the collection. So this band is a melding from Vermicious Canids into this band with a different female singer and then a different bass player, which is Bob Wilcox. I was out. Bob was in. Um, and then to- also on guitar, so Dave Rhodes played guitar, and then also Tony, Tony Lopez, who was the guitarist, one of the guitarists in Dick Circus as well. So, a little history. Yeah, they were a good band. Great band, yeah. Great songs, friends. super cool, super cool song, yeah. and they 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 call themselves Tardcore. Yeah, can't do that anymore. No, no. but I thought that was pretty funny. Probably couldn't get away with coding your kids either, and all the they like. Dave like stole all these uh, posters uh, from anti-abortion people, like in front of uh, you know um, Planned yeah. Parenthood. That like yeah. went and jacked their posters from them. Yeah, and like that was their set design stuff. Holy shit. So cool! <laughs> That's punk, dude. Uh, retail price up for bid. Yeah. The next song. Fucking love this song, dude. Yeah. This is why it's it, a rage or this is. is one band that I wish J- John C had had been able to come sit with us like we had hoped. But he knows a lot about that. He likes yeah. that band a lot. Well, because Mike Carter was in this band too. Later, you know, all the other bands that he's been in, Missing Twenty Third included. But um, I don't know any of the other people in the band, so I, I don't have a lot. But I did see them several times, and they, they were always great. And this this was I think the singer was British too. Yeah. Oh, was Shannon the singer of this band? British, oh. yeah. Well, then I do know other people in the band, but because I have a lot of material from this band. Yeah, the guy played guitar and sang, right? I don't know. Oh, I don't. Know. I thought I felt like I saw him. I thought. Okay. Times. Yeah, I think you're right. Because there's retail some, prices there's and some retail. Of them. There were two bands with the same sort of people in it. I can't remember which one was which at which time, but I could be confusing other stuff too so i don't know killer track yeah yeah um destroy babylon slavery through poverty the song fucking rips danny walker danny walker enough said yeah just just so fast d-beat style um 
Yeah, kind of like Profane Existence-esque mm-hmm. hardcore punk. Killer band name. He's a fucking yeah. dope band name, dude. Chris Hagen playing guitar. Um, I think it's uh, Gary playing bass, but it might be uh, Nick Manassian. Yeah. The fucking Wrath later. Fuck yeah. But I, I, I don't know who recorded on bass on this, but it's definitely Chris playing guitar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rainfall. Untitled. I can't find the title. I reached out to uh, to Pat to find out. Pat was played drums in this band, Pat Bailey. Mm. Uh, Cesar Tafoya was the guitar singer. And I can't remember who played bass. Um, somebody said, also told me that Jesse Jenny played guitar. Just, um, Stop Breathing and whatever else Jesse's been into. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Good band. Yeah, melodic. Scramsy, screamo. Screamo, yeah. yeah. Hardcore. Early. Yeah. Early rendition of that. Early, yeah. Um, They were trying to, you know, all those crusty kids were trying to get, you know, not not trying, but but melody was coming into their their, their songwriting, finally. Um, So that that song is a a product of that. That's awesome. Yeah. That band is a product of that, because that's like, I'm going to say 99. Oh, that's a good, that's a good, makes sense. Timeline wise. Another four minute song, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go into a song that's not four minutes. Peter Pan's Army, genocide. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I did not know Maddie K played for this band. Yeah, super rad. Yeah, I play guitar. Steve Haynes, bass player. Jocelyn, singer. And I'm not sure if Victor's Victor. Later, missing twenty third is playing drums on this or not, or if it's already Mike because they sw- swapped, and I don't know when that happened in the timeline. But. This singer, she does a really good job of making the song catchy. Yeah, yeah. Like it, she's a standout talent in this band. Yeah. Um, just yeah, it's simple, good, catchy, great vocals. Yeah. They probably had the most uh, Peter Pan's Army, like the most um, like drive out of all all of the bands because they actually put out a, a record and you know um, tried just one to seven inch, right? yeah, just the seven the inch, yeah. Um, but yeah, dig it, yeah, fucking dig that shit. Uh, let's go into the two missing twenty third tracks. We got time will tell. I chose these songs because, well. Time Will Tell was re-recorded for Control Delete mm-hmm. with another name. It's called like On Your Knees, I think. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I just think that I liked this version, and I liked I liked this song, and I, I think like, it's cool. Cause I it's like off. the fade in. Yeah, the fade in is really <laughs> rad, dude. This and was a staple of late Missing 23rd sets. This yeah. song was always in. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. They always play this song. Huh. Well, the chosen. bow down to your ball. Yeah. Bow down to the Bible. Yeah. Sorry, I don't believe in God. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Super cool. And then that's on the split with uh, Repeater 800. Yeah. And then I chose Control Your Life because that song is the shit. Hell yeah. From the demo, right? I think it is. I, I chose the version um, 
No, I chose the original demo version because yeah. the demo sounds better than the um, don't move. What was it? Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. I think this song yeah. is recorded three times. It's I on think like so too. Yeah. both Cause, demos cause plus the LP. But I'm choosing the yeah, first, first demo. LP, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it, it just sounds better. Yeah. Um, Arch Enemy, Bring Them Down, live track from Mogs, 1991. Mogs. I think it's a good live track, dude. Yeah. Your quality's good. Yeah, quality's good. What does he say? He says something on the beginning of the song. It's, just, it's, the, it's the opening track for their set, which I, I liked. It's just like, uh, what does he say? Can we all just bring them down? Do, 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 oh, yeah. do, 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 something like that. Yeah. Um, this band, Arch Enemy, basically became, well, William became fixated. Yeah. So, but it was that, that crew of guys. And Mike Starr, the drummer of this band, currently plays in the current band Fuse. Yeah, Fuse. Plays drums in that band. Um, Handsome Devils. I didn't know about that band. I didn't know little to nothing about that band. Yeah. Um, they they had a lot of buzz, like 90, 91, 92, and then disappeared completely. With super produced track. Yeah. So do they do, they do a CD or something? I don't because know. that song yes. is super produced. Yeah, there was a CD. Like, it's legit. And it sounds like... First wave punk, but on the Operation on the Army. no, like on the buzzcocksy side. Oh, I'll say, um, yeah, Pierpont Kids, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, some of them had money, so they could get into a good studio and record and whatever. The drummer's dad was my dentist. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and then John and I tracked this demo down from from the singer. We when John C and I were doing the um, the uh, radio show on the KSSR, uh, we did a little bit of talking about some of these bands, and this this was one of them that we wanted to talk about. So we found the guy and did a little interview with him and stuff. But we never used the interview. But we found the song. We got the, we got the demo. Cool. Which we had all lost mm-hmm. at one time or another. So. I think it's super catchy. Yeah. Like, but it was important to, to to me to to get that documented back or back into a, an archive of something mm-hmm. for that sure. Would act, you know that you know the next gen likes to hear putting it out on something so that people could hear it. So it's all about, dude. Yeah, give me all these cool flyers and shit. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna print these for everybody else to see. Or like, I get a hold of all these songs. Yeah. I'm like, yo, let's like bring it into other people's ears. Yeah, that's super important. That's what it's all about to yeah. me. So. Same. So glad you're doing that. So we, we got get, more, right? We have the last track. Oh, is this? This, <laughs> this is the track, this, dude. For Daniel or for <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> for Daniel Don? <laughs> shout out San Diego. Fred Hammer, he was there. What? <laughs> yeah, he was there. He was Where at the show? Oh. I don't know the story. Okay. Oh, so the song you is... You should listen to ba- the pod once in a while. <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> by Stalag. All I know is that they played it at Showcase once. That's all I know. Yeah. It's that story. But Great yeah. song. Such, Stalag, right, Zach? Stalag, not Stalag 13. Stalag. Stalag. Yeah. And it 
it's the song is Bailey, and it's um, it's long. It's good. We're gonna shit on this song for being long, but not there's so many like even that last song. I shit, I said it's long. It's good. It's long, but it's good. It fucking sounds like Aerosmith. I, I like I like the I like the first lead a lot. The first lead's so good, dude. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, longer song. But that wraps it up. It's a lot of fucking music, but you know, this is more of a documentation than a compilation. I listened to it today on my drive, and it took me from the 405, where it meets the 101, all the way to the, what exit is this right here? Main Street? California. Yeah. California Street exit in Ventura. So, and no traffic, so, I don't know. Well, we know how long the thing is, right? That was a, that was a terrible way to... I guess I could have said it, it was 90 it's, minutes. It's, it's an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> or or also, it'll take you from the 405. Yeah. So, in terms of distance, yeah. this record will take you somewhere. I'm just trying to say, like, I was, I was thoroughly entertained my whole ride. You know, it's like, there's not a lot of things that can do that for you. Yeah. You so. know? Like, I really enjoyed listening to it the whole if, way. If you have a cassette player in your truck, car, or van, you will be excited to have this compilation. I think you should figure out how to digitize it. Get it on digital, yeah. too. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's it. So, uh, we are going to go to Storytime and Forest. And then when we come back, we are going to have Rob. We're going to have Rob Calvert from. Uh, Clench fist. Sick. Oh, yeah! All right, we're bringing in uh, story time with Forrest. And, uh, it's a quick story. Yeah, what's that? This is the quick story. Well, we'll have him do both. We'll have him talk about Rob, because we're going to bring on Rob Calvert after this. And uh, so I want to hear about his answer machine, and then he'll tell whatever okay, story he wants to feel like. Okay. Yeah. So tell us what Rob Calvert's grandma's answer machine. Well, we were briefly talking about this outside. And it's just a, a funny side note before you guys listen to Rob. Love Rob to death. I We've known each other for fucking how many? We, we think we figured it out today. So it's 86 when John Ortega brought him around. And yeah, then so. John, and John well, knew it, Pika. And you're, that's, you're that's, talking about the future yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so we figured it out outside of this. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're talking. We're talking about Rob, and we're just, we're just bringing up like little things that we remembered. And I just remember calling Rob's house, and he lived with his grandparents and, and his, his mom and his mom. Yeah. But his grandparents, his mom, and him, they all uh, lived in uh, North Oxnard. And South Oxnard. South, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and just in Oxnard. In Oxnard. It was on San Juan. I remember that. Or off San Juan. <laughs> San Juan. God damn it. <laughs> off a barn. Oh, yeah. Right by Black- somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in Ventura County, this all took place. Right by Blackstock. Yeah. So, anyway. So, obviously, you can trust anything I tell you from this point on. <laughs> no last names, fool. Yeah. So, I just remember calling, and every time the answering machine would pick up, his grandmother left this out- outgoing message. And it was, it was more long and drawn out than this, but the whole thing was just like, Do you remember when the gallon of gas was just 10 cents? I do. Do you remember... 
When a loaf of bread was a nickel, I do. Beep. And that was the fucking answer to shit. <laughs> but it was like way more drawn out. That it was like this whole like, you know, do you remember the Great Depression? I do. You know, just like, but there was like no like, no. like, hey, this is us. This is the Calvary household. Please leave a message. No, it was just like, do you remember the little rascals? I do. <laughs> But oh, yeah. it was great. Anyway, and then so. when we would go to Rob's house, he, you'd knock on the door, and his grandpa would answer the door. He'd hobble to the door and say, oh, "Yeah," and we go, "Hey, is Rob here?" <laughs> Robert's not here. Robert, wait, Robert, hold on, Robert, Robert's not here. And you could hear fucking shit blaring from the other room, like <laughs> punk rock, like Rob's grandma and mom are fucking listening to suicidal tendencies in the other room, right? But he's just like Robert. <laughs> no, Robert's not here. It was like he's obviously fucking. There. So we would just walk around to the side, yeah, the side window, go, go to his window and tap on it. And I remember he had a mattress in his closet <laughs> because he needed a place for his records and his fucking. Like, so he had like a, like a sliding door closet. He took the doors off of and just put a fucking mattress in there, and that's where he slept. <laughs> like a fucking vampire. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so here's Rob. No! No! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, he's going to tell another story, and then we'll bring on Rob. Yeah, okay. This is real story time for us now. Okay. So, uh, you guys want to hear this, the San Francisco story? With, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So, this is back when uh, <clears throat> when Joe and I were in ill repute, but even after that, when Tony and I had a band called Critchin. And there was this band in San Francisco, really cool band. They're called The Sick. <clears throat> anyway, sorry, I've been sick. Sorry, but they had been, uh, they would get a hold of us every time they had a show at the Cocodry. Because the Cocodry was this really cool place. And you know, there's districts in San Francisco. There's like, you know, different districts for different things. This is like dead center in the middle, basically fucking porn district. Next door is a sex shop and there's like hookers on the fucking corners. But right across the street was this place called the Lusty's, Lusty Ladies or uh, uh, Pinky St- uh, uh, Stinky's Peep Show. You know, it's right across the street. <clears throat> it is the only place where you can go in and you drop a little quarter in a slot and a little window comes up and there were girls dancing on the other side of the window. And you see these girls in there dancing and, you know, but we had like all the booths were side by side and it was everybody from our band and everybody from the sick. And then right between Tony and I was a regular, just like some random guy. But I didn't realize that behind the dancers, the whole wall was a mirror. So Tony's like tapping on the glass, like trying to get my attention. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really paying attention. Like, there's, the thing is, like, the window would go up for like 10 seconds. And as it went down, if you didn't get your next quarter and they walked away, right? So you're like, try, and if your quarter fucking fell and hit the, because you didn't want to touch shit. You didn't want to touch the wall. If you, you try and like throw your quarter into this fucking slot, <laughs> if that thing hit the floor, you'd be like, fuck it, lost a quarter, right? You're not, you're not touching jack shit. When you walk in, there's like a box of fucking tissue and a bottle of Jergens. As soon as you fucking walk in there, and just like, yeah. uh, there's people mopping the walls when you yeah. leave. So, so you try to toss your Live quarters the dream. in there. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the thing is, you're in this little booth and you feel like it's soundproofed. 
because like you know you have like basically bulletproof glass in front of you between you and the strippers and you're in this little booth and you totally feel like the whole thing is soundproof so <laughs> because music player you know, yeah yeah, yeah there's you know yeah you, to, and you totally feel like nobody can hear you yeah so tony's tapping on the glass and finally i look behind the dancer and i could see tony i swear <laughs> to god clear as day he goes like this like Hey, that guy's jerking off. <laughs> like, fucking as loud as if you were just to yell on my fucking ear, right? There's no soundproofing whatsoever. And I swear to God, I, I, I look and I see this guy, like, in between us. I see his reflection. And you can just, he's just fucking going at it. And he, like, kind of looks towards Tony and looks towards me and just keeps looking at the dancer and just keeps fucking jerking it, right? So the dancer goes over to Tony's window and she's like, you know what? That's what some people are here to do. And we would appreciate it. If, like, as she's talking, his window starts to drop and he just books it like a scared little kid. Just fucking runs out as fast as he fucking can. Like, I couldn't deal with it. I, like, followed him out. He's like, holy fucking shit. Anyway, that was that story. <laughs> All right, let's bring on. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, dudes. Well, the Nard curse finally hit the fucking pod. And so what happened was uh, we did about a 40-minute interview with Rob, and uh, the cord came unplugged. And so I guess like the way that this podcasting machine works that I have, it uh, saves the file like when you hit stop record. So if the, the power comes out, it doesn't get anything. So uh, everything was lost, and uh, that's a bummer. But... Uh, Rob was generous enough with his time that uh, he came back on and I did the first half again as a phone interview. And then I'm going to bring it back in. So we get the end of the, uh, of what we originally had, which is uh, with Stu and Joe. And uh, because I, I liked it, I thought it was, it was sincere. We talk about um, Rob getting sober and it's some heartfelt moments with uh, episode one, Joe Rivas. So, I that couldn't be replicated on a pod where I'm just doing with Rob, so I wanted to keep it because I think it's uh it's really positive that you know when you talk to Rob, he's he's an awesome guy, and uh, you know he's someone that that struggled with substance abuse problems and went in and out of jail like he talks about, and he's been clean now for over 20 years, and I think that for some people, um, that's a really inspirational story that they should hear. Um, you know, and, and the way that uh, him and Joe lean on each other, I think, is really cool. So, anyway, gonna bring on uh, Rob Calvert right now from the band Clench Fist, and uh, we're gonna do this interview, man. Hell yeah! Hello, <clears throat> Rob Calvert. That. What up, dude? How are you, man? Doing good, thank you. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good, man. I'm just chilling on a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. waiting for your phone call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I fucked the first call up because I didn't have the Bluetooth knob up all the way. So uh, You know what's funny? I lost my, my – I think I left my Bluetooth headset at, uh, at work, so you're on speakerphone. Can you hear me okay? No, nah, you sound good. Oh, good. Yeah, you just want to try to stay in the same spot, and then uh, I think it'll be good. So uh, right. you were a victim of the Nard curse, dude, the first one that hit this podcast. So in, yeah. a, in a way, I guess I should feel fortunate that I made it this far without totally fucking up. But uh, 
yeah, as I explained uh, to everyone right before I brought you on, you know, we'd we'd recorded about forty minutes and and it got fucked up. All of it's gone. Yeah, we, I got the last part. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through up to Clinch Fist playing shows, and then I'll I'll plug in the rest. But yeah, we lost okay. everything up to there. It happens. Yeah, technical shit. I, it's all good. You know, but, uh, yeah, ask me whatever, and I'll, I'll do my best. To, I mean, I know Joe's not here to help me with dates and people like he's so good at. Yeah, he's really good at that. Um, well, you know, most people want a second shot. They always hit me up right after. They're like, fuck, I wish I would have said that. I wish I would have said this. But I think our interview <laughs> kind of knocked it out of the park. So it's kind of a bummer that this is the one we get to do over because it was pretty great. <laughs> I'm good. But, uh, I'll do my best to remember. Nah, that's cool. Do, I mean, do you remember where you were born? Yeah. All right. Well, we can start there. Uh, yeah. Where Where I was born? Yeah. Were you born in Nard or were you born in LA? I was born in Port Wyoming, California. All right. Yeah, that was my question because the first interesting thing that like goes on in your life is you talked about uh, kind of growing up in in the Church of Scientology. I wanted to jump back into that. Okay. So was that always a part of your life? Like, were your parents already in it when you were born? No, no. The way that worked out, just briefly, only reason I'm in California is because my mom and my dad, right, mm-hmm. had sex in, like, Buffalo, New York. I, I probably would have been born in Buffalo, New York, but my dad was in the Navy, and he was transferred to, to Port Wyoming. He couldn't even pronounce it. He was like, Port Huna, what? Yeah. Tell my mom, you know, and so I was born there in 1970, December 2nd, 1970, right there in Wyoming Base, and... um Five years old, I um, we moved to Oxnard, um, down Southside, not far from where you know Joe Rivas lives and Dobby and other people like that, and the Winsteads. And, and then, I, yeah, I grew up like five years old, all the way to like um, you know going like on fourteen years old. My mom started going to these classes. I, I just stopped seeing her. So, like she'd come home like super late. I'm like, where are you? Where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm taking these classes with the Church of Scientology now. I'm like, what's what's up with that? You need to take me then because I don't want to sit at home. Yeah. I was a latchkey kid, you know what I mean? Sure. And uh, she started taking me, yeah, to this like little little Dianetics like book like book mission place in Ventura, okay. and um, I started like taking little courses, little communication courses, and just Dianetics and Scientology work hand in hand. You know, the the the, the missions. They're called missions that, that, you know, they kind of like disseminate the information, but there's like the church of Scientology that runs the whole thing. Sure. So, so you're doing like out of a satellite in Ventura. You're not going to like that main one in LA. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Just like UCSB is a satellite. I was doing like a little satellite. Exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. And so another really interesting thing about this time in your life is you're really young and you fall in love with a girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what happened was, um, briefly, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, like the founder of Scientology, like he died, right? Okay. But they didn't make it out like he died. They made it out like, like they made it out like he had passed on to the next like operating Satan, which is like, oh, call them OTs, operating Satan, where your spirit can leave the body at will, okay. right? And so like he passed on. And there was a big event at the Hollywood Palladium where uh, everybody was like, all these like C organization members were dressed up. So C S E A, like they used to be on the ocean mobile and ships. Mm-hmm. 
and all these Sea Org members were there, all dressed up in like these military like uniforms, like you know, like dress uniforms. And I was impressed. I was like, wow, this is like a naval academy or something. Yeah. It reminded me, reminded me of seeing my dad when he used to come home drunk wearing these like really nice uniforms. I'm like, what's that? They're, oh, that's the Sea Org. That prevents everything. <clears throat> I was like, I want to be part of that. Yeah. So, There's that familiarity. Yeah, got- There's a familiarity to it. Totally. Yeah. And they brought a recruiter down. And I signed. I signed the, the billion year contract. <laughs> the straight up billion year contract. And I wow. joined the Church of Scientology. And my recruiter had a daughter, and I wanted to have sex with her really bad. And and uh, they're like, no, no, Scientologist, you, know, you can't have sex unless you're married. I'm like, well, then how do I take care of that one? <laughs> You know, so I got emancipated at, uh, at 14, which gave me the rights of, a, of an 18 year old. And um, I talked to my mom, said, I'm going to get married. She's like, uh, okay. Like, she kind of like went along with whatever the church said. You know, and I reached out to my dad. At, that, at this time, they were divorced. Reached out to him in Virginia. I'm like, what do you think about that? He's like, he's like, no. He's like, you shouldn't get married until, like, for you, like 30. I'm like, whatever. I don't need your <laughs> permission anyway. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the day we actually got married, which was the, the day of like the ceremony, which Scientology, man, they set it up. They did, a, they did a big ceremony. My good friend, Troy Tilkins was my, uh, my best man. And the very same day of the ceremony was the same day we got the authorization from the judge in LA to get married. Wow. So there I was, yeah, 14, 15, 16 years old married living in Scientology. Yeah. And do you like, do you take her back to your mom's house and she lives with you guys or? No, no my mom stayed in, uh, in Oxnard. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah. She stayed and I, and I, I jammed out to, uh, Los Angeles right there in the Silver Lake area. Oh, word. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. And then that lasts like a year or so. And, and how do you get uh, excommunicated from the church? Yeah. It's a hard one. Like, how do you get kicked out of Scientology? Me, Right. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just couldn't keep my pants on is what it was. You know, I had a lot of, I was young. I had a lot of hormones going on and they weren't about that. They're like, you, like, you, they're like, you can't sleep with other people. Gotcha. And, uh, that, that got me into trouble. I ended up on this thing called the rehabilitation project force called the RPF. And you had to run everywhere and you can look all this stuff up now. It's like all, you know, out there for everyone to see like you know all these all these, all these bad things about Scientology but uh, you know while I was working there you know one of the one of the questions you guys had asked is like what was your turning point yeah you know, for I guess for you know obscure music was that's all we listened to was the radio out there and the only thing the only station we listened to was KROQ and Rodney on the Rock would play his show and he played this jam from Suicidal Tendencies that had just come out like you know a year or two before it was institutionalized you know, yeah, you know, and I was all, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. So you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing that in like 84, 85. Yeah. Yeah. This has been, been, um, early 85, late 84, somewhere around there. I first heard that song. And, and how do you feel about it? It's just, it's game changing. Big time. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know, I grown up listening to like, I don't know, down in Oxnard, there was like, you know, was that one Oh, I don't remember, 104.7, like hip-hop. It was hip-hop stuff, and that's what you listen to. But I don't know. I had this weird idea in my head that once I got into junior high school, before Scientology, I was surfing, right? Mm-hmm. Learning, learning how to surf. And surfers don't listen to hip-hop. Surfers listen to rock and roll. Sure. You know, 
so I, I you know I bought like ACDC and I bought Iron Maiden and <laughs> things like that. You know, it'd be cool, right? Sure. And uh, but there was something about hearing like that. You know when it's you know when the song speeds up and he's screaming about something. I was like, this is epic. It was just I don't know, it triggered something in me, but nothing would come to fruition until I got I actually got kicked out of Scientology, which would have been in early '86, and that's when I kind of started going. Luckily, met the right people to start taking me to the early Powerline shows in um, in Oxnard. Yeah. So who? So you come back to Oxnard and and see? So do you start going to high school? Yeah. Yeah. I skip my entire freshman year. Yeah. So you, you go back in what high school do you go to? Channel Island. Okay. And you meet some dudes here? Yeah. I met John Ortega. Um, you know, well, I didn't really know where to fit in. Right. That, you know, I missed my entire freshman year. High school was completely different from grade school. Everyone was into cliques. You know, I was in high school. It was like jocks and, you know, ASB people. And I just saw people playing hacky sack and smoking weed. I'm like, they, they seem cool. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome. I'll try to kick it. Yeah. They were just like, hey, man, what's up? And, you know, I didn't really know where to fit in. And my friend John Ortega is like, you ever been to a show? I'm like, and I'm thinking like a show, you know what I mean? Like what, like a Disney show? <laughs> yeah, play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, dude, we're going to go to a punk rock show and all the HPL are going. This is like back in whining, HPL, whining pure locals, mm-hmm. right? That's like they, were, they were ruling things. Yeah. Yeah, and he picked me up, picked me up for my first show and, and uh, I didn't know how to dress. I tore up some jeans. Put my hair, you know, put some like toothpaste in my hair, and he he opens the door to pick me up. He's like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> like my only concept of like punk rock is like that episode of Chip. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, the, or the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. He goes, "Man, come on, we're gonna dress you." Yeah. Put me in some regular jeans, you know, a regular OP shirt. I'm like, "Really? We're, we're dressed up like we're going to the beach?" He's like, "Yeah, we'll be fine." Yeah, this is, this is Oxnard. We dress normal. Yeah, you know. No fashion. But, uh, yeah, so do you remember who the first show was, and where was it at? It was at the, uh, yeah, 800, uh, 800, I know the address, 800 Hobson Way. Starline Productions presents the adolescent. Um, you know, it's funny, I think I still have the flyers somewhere, too. I just, I was, someone had posted all these pictures of these early flyers of all these killer shows that I'd gone to and um, I'd taken pictures of them. Let me see if I have that one actually. Yeah, there it is. Friday, February 6th, 19, either 86 or 87. Adolescence, RKL and scared straight. Holy fuck. And, and what do you remember about it? Well, epically the moment was, uh, yeah, we showed up a little bit late. So there were a lot of people in there and, um, I think, I think um, RKL just finished, so I kind of missed them, but adolescence went on, and <clears throat> and all of a sudden, you know, it's just, it's the floor erupted. Sure. Right? And, I, and I'm thinking fight. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is dangerous. And, but the fight turned into like this controlled chaos of like this circular movement, like tribal. Yeah. And, and that, and, and that bringing that back in my head about being in Scientology and hearing that, that, you know, an institutionalized song, and I, and then hearing music that was like, you know, compliment what the hell was happening on the floor. I was hooked right there. I'm like, what is this? Like, I felt at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was cool because everyone was like just doing their thing and slamming around, and I'd never been in it. Before. I stood on the outside. I didn't go in. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And the song is finished, and and all these dudes were high five and go, yeah, man, just like old times, just like old times. And I was like, whoa, I missed out on something here. Yeah. Not knowing that, I, whatever, I'm second generation or whatever, third or whatever I am. But, you know, this is like just around the time when like, you know, like ill repute and Dr. No and aggression. These guys are, had already established themselves. Yeah, you are. It is the tail end. Like it's just going to fall apart. Like right after this. Right. But, but you're right. seeing, you're seeing the last throws of it, which is, extremely lucky right at least he didn't wait one more year to go approach the hacky sack dudes <laughs> yeah exactly and so i was hooked right there i was like i'm like this is it this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm about you know and, and granted this is the 80s so there's no access to wikipedia google nothing you know you had to rely on, on one magazine which they, where they which as you know they called fanzines back then we had maximum rock and roll and we had 60 miles north and I think Fred Hammer was doing something at the time, but you got a hold of like stuff, and you got a hold of records where you could, and you, and you wrote to bands, and you and you you know you sent off your little mailer, and they'd send you a little forty-five, and that's just how it worked. And you went to a lot of shows, the most you could, and that's just where it started for me right there. And I kept going to the shows afterwards, and you know. Do you remember any other stand? Do you remember any other standout shows um, of that time yeah. period? Yeah, Seven Seconds was a really fucking big one. Um, they, they came out and did a really good show. Um, there was another one at the um, same place, Dockstar uh, Center, Circle Jerks that came. They did a big show, and uh, we had some local bands, like Irony had come down. Always two played that show. Then they had, like, this band called Excel, yeah. which was, like, this. Yeah, and Excel was, like, more like rockers, you know? Yeah. You know, so, you know, there's... there's, there's yeah, they're so insane. That, that they still rip. Yeah, totally. And then uh, got introduced to you know DOA and DRI, and then uh, then all of a sudden you know like one of our bands local was going to play another week. Uh, Doctor No, and I'm jamming to Doctor No, and like okay, next up is Social Distortion, and like Mike Matt at the time, this is like before Prince and Bounce, he was fucked up, right? You know. Up there, hey guys, what's up? You know, we social D. This guy was like just junkied out. I'm like, what's up with this dude, man? <laughs> <laughs> but I dug it, you know what I mean? I, just, I didn't really care. It was just part of the, the gig. And then if we weren't going to shows in Oxnard, we went down to Tor and Amy, and Tor and Amy did a big show with uh, SNSU, the Meat Men, Black, Corrosion, Conformity, you know, huge show at the Skate Palace. So it was like, we were, we were spoiled, man. The, the bands were coming in, and people were organizing it. Yeah, did you go up to Santa Barbara at all and check out that scene? Yeah, yeah. So I got lucky enough, like I was saying before, we that time we got cut off, and a flyer had somehow made its way down in this area. And the flyer said, the Ramones and RKL. And I was like, oh, shit. I missed RKL that one time, yeah. right? The Ramones are old, but they were still, like, all original members. And I was, like, showing this to, like, like Brad Smith and Pika and Forrest. I'm like, we got to go to this show, you guys. And they're like, why? The Ramones are, the Ramones are old. I'm like, exactly, dude. These guys are going to be dead soon. We got to go. So La Casa de la Rasa, whatever year that was uh, in Santa Barbara. And uh, it was, I mean, such a juxtaposition between watching RKL, who they can't stand still, you know. Yeah. These guys, every member it was like like watching Snapcase. These guys just flew all over the place. They were jumping over the place, and Ramon, completely polar opposites, just stood there. Yeah, but their music just you know their music just yeah. Rocked. But it's, like, it's the best of both worlds. 
It's like it's, it's both is two bands with a completely different approach that are knocking it out of the fucking park. Totally, the show was excellent. You know, and I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm completely young at the time, just a lot of energy to like do my thing. But I'm just I was just tripping on their moments, just watching Joey up there, just you know. And I was like, and the crowd's going crazy, and they're just standing there doing playing this like fucking cool music. So it was only like later in life I'm like, damn, I really scored seeing that show. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But I think, like, yeah, I think what everyone, I think almost everyone Ramones is dead. I think everyone at RKL is pretty much dead. <laughs> I think I could be wrong. Yeah. Fuck. I gotta get. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm trying to get Chris Rest soon because he's alive, and uh, he's a guitarist, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, the bass, player, the bass player that came in later, he's he's around. So okay, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, Chris Rest, come on the pod. I've, I've been try, trying to get him. We've been phone tagging for like three months. Anyway, so around this time, you decide to stop being just a fan, and you want to participate and do your own band. So how does uh, BSOD come about? Yeah, BSOD, bad sense of direction. You know, it wasn't anything, I'll be honest, it wasn't exactly, you didn't really have a choice living in, you know, the, the Nardcore scene at that time and, and not being, not be doing something with, with bands or um, either roading or doing something. And so I, it wasn't like I made a decision. It was just like things were just happening there. I ran into a, a friend of mine that I'd gone to shows with, Pika. Uh, he played drums. I happened to run into a guy named Eric Vera who played guitar. I ran into somebody else who did something. And before you know it, we're like, well, let's, let's jam. You know, I don't play I don't play anything. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sing or scream, whatever you want me to do. And yeah. and, and uh, we had a we had a garage, so there, there was our studio. You know, We had musicians. We had electricity. And, and we went for it. Because that's what you did. Sure. You know, living living in that area, man. People, I mean, there, there was there was skating and surfing that was going on, but no one like kicked at the YMCA or or did anything like you know, extracurricular activities. We were like, you know, who's doing what? What what band are you in? Right. What do you play? Are you guys jamming this weekend? Okay, cool. Because there's all these shows going on, and we want to get up there too. So it was kind of like this force, but, but a good force, you know. And so BSOD started, and that was the very first band. And we played this one uh, show, I guess it's called a show, it was really a house party in Pika's Garage, you know, um, where we covered a couple of uh, aggression songs. And that night, we invited, like, people from Ventura to come down, guys who were in SRA, Irony. Um, we invited uh, Mark Tickey and Henry Knowles to come, and we told I said, hey, look, man, we're going to, we cover, like, one of your songs, so... I don't know if that's okay or not. I just want to get your permission. These guys are like, oh my God, hell yeah, man, go for it. So so there we were, like, with members of aggression. And we're covering, like, Rat Race, right? And, and like, Maury, who's, like, in, you know, Joe's band now with the, uh, um, oh my God, Joe's going to kill me. I forgot the name of his band. Out of, uh, out of trust. Out of trust, right? He was, like, a little kid back then. And this and this party just raged in this garage. People hanging from the rafters. We're playing Rat Race. Aggression's there. The dudes from like, and you gotta remember, like Ventura and Oxfam was having like a conflict for whatever stupid reason. But this kind of unified it, you know, because we were we were learning about how important unity was from like the Stern brothers, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No. Yeah. Well, the, so there was a little schism, and you invite them, and then it's like beef is squashed. Like I want you to be a part of our scene. We knew we were all part of something. Yeah, and it's and we too, had to stop too small to beef, right? 
yeah, come on, geographic, really? That's how separate it. But I think there was a, there was some a little bit more to it. There was a kind of a I don't know a racist thing kind of like happening with certain people that influenced other people that caused problems with our people. You know, let's be real. The hardcore was like this melting pot of like, I don't care who the fuck you were. Oh, you're Chinese? I don't care. You're Filipino? Great. You play? You play? You know? So when you go to Ventura, it's like, are you white? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> Oxnard, I was looking up the demographics the other day. It's it's like 75% Latino, you know, or, or more. Yeah, it is, or more. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to put all of Ventura in that in that melt that, that category. You know, it was just there were just certain people. You know, and I don't need to bring up any names, but they had influence over people. You know, and that's what caused a lot of conflict. So there's this particular party helped like break that. And before you knew it, just more and more shows were happening. We we go to Ventura to support them. You know, and um, well, it's hard to be white power with a bunch of Samoans in a garage. Tell me about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> put, put your hand down. To the and I never really understood it. You know, being a young person, being kind of naive myself, I never really understood why politics mattered in music as much as we, you know, sung about it. But, like, what's the point of, like, you know, Sieg Hailing in the middle of the pit? Like, what does that have to do with, like, what, what, what we're screaming about over here about not being able to tie your shoe and you're drunk? I don't know. I just, it didn't. It never clicked with me. No, because everyone in the four walls is like already a freak. So like you need to come together. You have something in common, you know, that is, right. that is not understood by the outside. And so exactly. to, to, to create barriers like within when there's, you're already like a group of outcasts, why would you want to create more barriers? Exactly. And I'm really proud of like the scene that we grew up in because we were embracing like, you know, punk rock culture right. the best that we could. We weren't, we weren't the old school punk rockers of the seventies, you know what I mean? We had we all came we all had homes. None of us were homeless, something like that. But we embraced that that ideology of like, you know, do it yourself. You know, buy kids for kids. Um, you know, fuck the nine to five, man. Do something for yourself. It was cool. It was like a movement. You know, and our songs reflected that lot. But I, I I believe, you know. There were bands, other bands like Disordered Youth who I wrote for for a long time before I started doing my own thing. Um and they were like more of like, I don't know, singing about whatever, maybe like stuff about the beach, right? Or sure. Surfing or whatever. And Gresham did the same thing, you know, but uh, not, I'm not saying that our band did a bunch of musical stuff that, you know, really made the political sense. It was just, we were, we were having fun. You know what I mean? That, we were just having fun. Yeah. And it's good to it's good. grab onto something you care about and take it seriously. Yeah. We were in the right place at the right time is what it was, but we didn't know it. Yeah, you know, we didn't know that it would, that it would continue. We just thought, you know, we're being kids is what we do. We never had jobs. Yeah. Well, you it's know? funny you say that. That you know, you didn't know it would continue because this generation is really like the the most important generation of holding it together. Because you guys are kind of the ones that hold it together during the dark days. Because when all the bands kind of go away or go a little more dormant or change, right around this time. Mm-hmm like 87 to the early nineties when there's a resurgence, like you guys do like keep it alive and keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but of course uh, and it's again, not planned. We, it's not planned when you're a child. Exactly. We didn't know. We, no, just, but, we were doing what we loved. Right. And, and, and that's what everyone does when they, they come in, right? Like you don't really know what you're doing at the time. It's, it's very hard to have a vision when you're 16. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
sometimes we'd have these moments, you know, moments like, you know, sitting in at Denny's. We used to raid the Denny's on Channel Island's Boulevard, and we, that's back when you can smoke in there. We would sit there until 3, 4 in the morning, writing music, smoking cigarettes, and they, you know, they, never, they never really kicked us out. They just kept feeding us coffee. They're like, okay, as long as you're paying for your coffee. And we'd, we'd write lyrics and thought we were, like, changing the world, and, you know, it was cool. So how long really does BSOD cool. stay around? And and not very many, long. How many not shows BS- do you play? A bunch of house shows though. I don't remember. To be honest, I don't think BSOD really played anything except for that that major house party. We may have played like a couple of small get-togethers, you know, because Wainini at the time, if there was going to be a party, there was a band. That was it. Right. You know, but it's an important it's band because of who was in it, and and everyone ended up sticking around. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. so after that, you kind of, you, it merges into Solemn Fate or is Solemn Fate something completely different? No, some, it, merged in, it merged into Solemn Fate when Pika had to leave. Pika said, hey, I got to go back to Virginia. And he was a drummer. Mm-hmm. And, and then Davi came into the scene somewhere and, and he said, well, now that Pika's gone, um, you're going to have to play drums. I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to play drums. He's all, well, you do now. Just sit behind that. We had a set set up. and I just, I don't know. I just, I, I picked up on it pretty quick. <laughs> I was I was like a natural. And it just felt good. And so I just started playing drums. I, I played, and we played this big show, um, Solemn State, um, at the uh, Skate Palace. Okay. <clears throat> a show that I helped put on at the time. And uh, it was like, well, God, I wish Joe was here. He had Global, what was it? Purple, Purple Holocaust was one of the bands that played. Okay. Um, they're from Thousand Oaks, and then we played, and like someone else, some rock and roll band. But it was a fun show, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was cool. And I, I played drums, so that's what we did. And I mean, we may have played a few more house parties in there with another band called Red Rum. They were really cool too. Yeah, uh, we we may have played with Disordered Youth, possibly. Don't think so. Maybe, but that shows important are, to you because it's, it's it's part of you participating participating back again and helping promote, which you did a little right. bit of at that time, right? Yeah, so I would have been seventeen at the time, and uh, it was it was a new. I was unfamiliar with how the process worked, but learning how it, I embraced it. You know, okay, what do we do now? Well, you're gonna need security. Okay, well, how do we get that? Like nothing really held you back. How it is like when you're an adult, right. and you have like doubts about things, and someone says. Hey, you should do this. You're like, well, nah, I can't do that because when you're 17 in the scene and someone and you're into it, you nothing stops you. Sure. Well, how, how do we get a hold of this band? Well, I, I don't know. Well, give me the. I'll find a way. Well, you can talk to. Yeah, I'll talk to them. You know what I mean? Well, how are we going to pay? That we're going to find ways. We're going to find a way to re- to get the money to, to rest. We're going to make it happen, right? The do-it-yourself attitude. Fuck it. We don't need. We don't need corporate America backing us. We don't need the stuff. We're going to do it somehow. And make this happen. For sure. And uh, Laurel Jones, rest in peace. Uh, Joe Rivas had dated her at one point. She helped uh, make this happen. And, um, and we had that show. And, uh, and we built that stage. That stage was supposed to be for like like NWA at one point. NWA was going to come down with Gabe Falcon to a show, but it had gotten canceled. But we, we built that stage for them. And we ended up using it for our show, you know. <laughs> Did you get to build it on the clock? Did you get paid? To- what do you mean? Did you get paid yeah. to build it? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're building it for an NWA show, maybe. That's a huge show. 
Well, it, it, was, it wasn't, let me, let me back up. It wasn't necessarily for NWA. It was going to be for our show, but NWA, we had found out they needed a stage. We're going to use it. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, so you guys can use the stage that we built. Right. So I think we, I think somebody spray painted NWA on the stage. <laughs> 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 I think they did. We built that at Troy Token's house right there in Port Anini in his front, in his front yard. Uh, we're like John Winstead and Joe Rebus, myself, and Aaron Horn. A few other people were there. Pika might have been involved. I don't remember. No, Pika wasn't involved. He was in Virginia. So, anyway. When do you uh, start working in radio? How do you get that gig? So, radio I, was a very cool story on that. Was, um, I don't know if it's cool. You know, because again, here we are with no internet, no nothing. You had you had vinyl, tape cassette, and the eight tracks. I didn't listen to eight tracks. And, you, and uh, you know, what, what mediums did you have? And I, I came across a station, maybe a flyer had been passed around, you know, 91.9 KCSB um, station. There's a punk rock, punk rock uh, gig that was going on from like 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. on like, I remember, Thursday night, I think it was. I had listened to this guy's show on my little radio, a little boom box in my room. And he's like, if you guys want to hear anything, you can call in. I was like, oh, right. So I called this guy, and his name was Doug Graves. Right. Probably wasn't his real name. That was like his little you know, stage name thing. And I called this guy so much. He finally just invited me up there. He's like, you want to just come up to the studio and just like hang out and pick, pick music? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do, right? Yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that this was a, you know, a major university. I was like, I don't know. I'm just cruising up there. And I cruise down to Stork Tower in Goleta because the station is right underneath the tower. And uh, Doug Graves is a couple of years older than me, and uh, I started hanging out with him. I started learning the ropes, and he's like, "You should get your own show." I'm like, "I think you're right. I should get my own show." <laughs> so I applied. I applied for the program, and they put me on like a like a cable station first, you know, like a cable AM station type. You had to have cables like hooked up to listen to the show because they wanted to like pilot my program there. So I had this like show. I play all this killer punk rock on, on Saturday nights. I'm like, I don't know. No, it was on Sundays. It was on Sundays. You know, and I actually saw some of those recordings, too. My voice sounds really funny. But, yeah, so I started doing shows up there, and everything was going good. And they were talking about, like, promoting me to the FM station. And I had this really good idea about, you know, I thought it'd be cool to, like, bring, bring live bands in from the Nard or who, wherever, and play live. Yeah. You still there? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, so you're, you're the, the guest, man. I'm trying to let you talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's why I get to shut up because I think I talk too much. But oh, that's great. Anyway, so that was that was happening, and um, I'm like, yeah, I'll do the FM station, and then uh, you know, being young, we drank a lot, we partied, and uh, there was a big party in Other Vista one night. Um, not the night that we had played. There was one night that we had played. It was a great, great time, but um. I don't know. We were just walking around with this, and I, I dropped some acid, and a bunch of us did, and we drank. And I had this great idea, quote unquote, to bring twenty people back to the studio so I could show off and, and tell them where I work. Yeah. And uh, there were some people there who um, I don't know. They weren't cool, man. They uh, they came in the studio. They sold a bunch of CDs. Um, I, I guess at the time there was some construction going on out front of the um out front of the studio and someone's like took a you know a paintbrush and painted like a swastika like on the grounds there. Jesus. Like, not cool. 
not cool. So they said, you know, it didn't take long for the university to find out, like, who was it, you know what I mean? And I had to answer for all those charges. Um, I, had to, I had to do restitution. I cleaned up. I ended up going to jail for it for a little bit to pay some of the stuff off. But wow, you went to jail for it? All well, because I couldn't pay the fuck. Well, they wanted to press charges. They pressed some charges. Sure. Like, trying to, yeah. It's pretty gnarly. They, I mean, if it's on a college campus. They weren't digging that at all. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a really cool time because I learned how to like do commercials and there was like a lot of um, different you know, shows I can get into. There was a place uh, called uh, Mogs, Xenon West would later be something else. Um, in Ventura, like a venue, right? They always have shows. Yeah, Mogs, which turned into Nickelbees. Nickelbees, thank you. Yeah. So there was a dude named Guy that like, ran the place. I guess he was the owner or the manager. And I just like picked it up with him. I said, look, I'll do, I'll do free advertising for your for your venue if I can get into the shows for free so I'd go to the shows for free I'd meet every, I'd meet like all the bands I'd, I'd, I'd interview people so one time I'm interviewing Jack Grisham from TSOL and I, I forgot his name when I was doing the interview I'm like so what's your name again you see the funniest <laughs> look you go what <laughs> yeah. and the point the point of the interviews was, was I don't really know where I was going with that I guess I was trying to design or develop, like, I guess, early podcasting, right, back sure. then. Sure, But um, it, it never turned into anything because the university was like, you can't come on our campus anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's wild. So, uh, Clinch Fist starts in, what, 94-ish? Yeah, yeah, that would be right around that time. What happened after? Yeah, so I had gotten way and way more into narcotics to the point where I, I finally, I was selling, unfortunately started selling drugs. I got raided. I got arrested. I did time for it and I got out. I had nowhere to go. And, and Forrest Lorenzana took me and was like, Hey man, you can, you know, you can live here with me and my dad and everybody. And, and Forrest had never stopped playing music, you know? And, um, and slowly but surely, man, his, his intellect, and his ideas and his, his, the way he could play guitar and, the lyrics i'm like this is beautiful stuff dude yeah yeah man yeah we totally like we he kept saying we can put this together i'm like i'm like and i felt like this is great i'm all part of you know he's like, i want to introduce you to donovan coffee and i'm like who's donovan and he's a really good drummer and a good friend of mine he's been the coast guard but he's out now i'm like okay i'll meet him I'm like what's up dude and uh and we started like we started jamming and i honestly i do not remember where we even practiced those guys can answer that i don't remember sure you know, but we came up with the name, we came up with the logo and we just started going for it, man, making flyers, making shirts. And we couldn't really afford to make stickers. So we'd make these little flyers that we could just pass out the shows. You know, we'd go to shows and pass out our little flyer of our band. Sure. You know, and some kids are like, is this a sticker? We're like, no, they're all, fuck. And they're on the ground. I pick it up <laughs> off the ground. Asshole. Yeah. You know. It was fucked up. And, uh, yeah, so we, 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 I don't know, but you know what? The sad thing was, I, I I couldn't really, I couldn't really stay clean, right? I kept like dabbing in the drug world and playing with Clinch this, and um, so that, that eventually got the best of me, where I just I just kept uh, violating probation, and I, I I had to end up like doing more more jail time. And, but before all that had happened, you know, we managed somehow to get a recording in that we did up 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 in Santa Barbara. Okay, so you record yeah. with uh, John Ly- John Lyons at the, yeah. at the living room. Correct. Okay, and I was I was like messed out most of the time when I was up there. To be honest, 
So it's kind of sad because I don't remember a whole lot of it. But I just remember like I was sweating a lot. It was hot up there, and the studio was warm. <laughs> well, you probably you probably also recorded in about three hours, so I don't I don't think you have to hold it against yourself for not remembering. Yeah, you're probably right. I think we were like in and out of there between like you know, eight a.m. and like one. We were done. Yeah, because because what you would do is you'd go. You wouldn't take that long to set up. He'd get the sound. And then you do all the music live, and then you just do the vocals after. And so yeah. you, got, you guys were a tight band. It's all like, you know, everyone's been playing 10 years at this point. You're basically professional musicians. And, uh, hmm. you know, you probably jammed all the time, right? So you, yeah. you, you probably went and knocked it out in a couple takes, and then just went and did vocals, and you're out of there by one, like you said. All I know for me, for me, and it's unfortunate, but I remember being at the studio thinking, I can't wait for this to be over so I can get back to Oxnard and score. Sure. You know, which sucks because I only really remember them going, okay, Robert, ready for your vocals. I'm like, okay, great, let's do it. You know, I, I have somewhere else to be, which is suck thinking about it at the time. It was like, someone paid for that. I don't remember paying for it, you know. And I knew that someone was put together a compilation, you know, the localism compilation. I didn't know how that how any of the logistics behind that happened. I just I just showed up, man. The magic was done behind the scenes. It's like, honestly, it was like Donovan and, and Forrest and, and Maury. I mean, I guess they were holding it together because I wasn't. Yeah. But I was there. <laughs> yeah, you're on the recording. So that, that's a win. <laughs> Here I am. And you killed it. You know? I mean, you went in and killed it. The vocals are are great, you know, and Thank you. this episode is about Stu's comp and, uh, you know, you got the title track. He, he named the comp reflections. That's so awesome. Yeah. It was such a fun song to like sing. It was really fun. I enjoyed most of the music. And again, that's a low smoke of course is that, but the guy just had a certain style. Like it was, it was guitar playing and then was backed up with like Donovan, like the way he hit his drums. It felt good. Like I was up there enjoying the music. Like, not just like, oh, I'm in a band and, you know, what they want to do. No, we felt it. We felt the music. It was beautiful. And I wish we could have kept going with it, man, you know. Um, but maybe, you know, it just wasn't meant to be, at least. Well, I mean, at least. Powers that be had other ideas for it. Yeah, and at least it got documented, right? Because there's there's plenty of great bands, you know, that you can remember in your, your history of punk rock that you saw live. And you have nothing to, like play to someone to be like, this band really was great. You know, it's all, mm -hmm. it's all just a memory, you know, but you, you laid down those tracks. So, you know, it's I not, it's not forgotten. Thank you. You know, I mean, you think of something, you said that, I wonder how many people out there, all the bands that were alive for maybe a hot second that didn't record. Yeah. I mean, so, exactly. you know, th thankfully pulled it together enough for that. So. Yeah, or didn't, didn't record decently enough. I don't know. I mean, one of the one of my favorite bands ever from Ventura was a band called Fixated. Mm -hmm. You familiar with them? Yeah, they did a. They have a demo. It doesn't. It they doesn't, do. Yeah, they have a demo. So it's it's there. We can get it to you. Uh, Joe definitely has it. Yeah, because I fucking love that band. But the demo, the demo. I I don't think the the demo didn't capture like how powerful they sounded live. That's what I'm talking about. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. wasn't. It didn't catch it in time. You know, I mean, there was a band called Sailfish at one point. I don't even know if they got anything on, on Red Rum. Did they get anything on record? I don't know. You know, all these little bands. Yeah. Disorder Youth actually put some stuff out. You know, 
one of their songs was a little controversial at the time, but no one knew any better. But whatever, they were a great band. You know, it's like wish we had more recording, but we just we didn't have access to like Mystic Records at the time. You know, because Ill Repute has already been there, Aggression has already been there, right? Sure. Yeah. So, you know but I mean? Clench Fist does play some big shows. So you play. Uh, there was that Jughead's Revenge show. There was like notable. yeah, we somehow someone put together a show at the um, uh, Armory in Ventura. Mm-hmm. Great big show. A lot of a lot of kids showed up to that one. Um, and that was a, that was just a lot. We had, a, we had a great turnout. I, I was feeling I was feeling particularly good that night. There's some there's some stuff. There's some video of it maybe somewhere. Um, yeah, that was a big one. So I think Bernie Dog played that one. Yeah, Bernie Dog was there. Dog got revenge. But wonderful show. I don't even know who paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you guys played an infamous show in Isla Vista. A what show? An infamous show. Wasn't this the yeah. uh, the riot show? Yeah, it was that was that was uh, really intense. Um, you know, and, and anytime anyone who's listening has been to Vista back in the day, or even now, the place goes off. You know. Yeah. So let's yeah, set, let's, set, let's have the story up, Rob, because uh, this is the story that we're gonna we're gonna finish on because then it picks okay. up after this. Um, All right. Well, I mean, we'll we'll take time to to wrap up, but. Uh, Isla Vista for people that don't listen because our listeners are from all over the country and oh, okay. there's some international. This is the, uh, it's like the neighborhood outside of UCSB, uh, the university of Santa Barbara. And there's basically like a neighborhood where all the college kids live. So it's a bunch of like, you know, frats and college dudes and sororities and it can get wild because it's a bunch of 18 to 22 year old drinkers you know, on the weekend. And then also you have all these people coming from all over because they know you can go to Isla Vista and get wild. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. There's like, you know, yeah, you get, you broke it down. Like kind of like a like, miniature beach community. Yeah. Like, mini beach community. And then also know. like, you know, everyone's having house parties. So like you were talking about in, in Oxnard, like you have a party of a band and in Isla Vista, you know, on any weekend, there's going to be like, a handful of bands playing different parties. Like my bands went up and played a bunch of parties. I saw no motive play a bunch of parties. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you just, you're walking down the street. And so some bands playing, you go check them out or, or whatever. Right. So you, Absolutely. so clinch fist and who else you get a, you get a show. at some house and... Someone organized it. Someone knew somebody. Yeah. is how it worked out. I, again, I was never quite involved in like getting to a, the details. I was told, yeah, "Hey, we're Rob, we're gonna go play a show. Let's go. We're playing. We're playing." I'm like, "All right," you know. And uh, there we were, lugging our equipment all the way down to Isla Vista, and we're setting up some, some chicks, out, girl, girls. There were a lot of girls that were living there, and a couple. Who knows? We're setting up, and uh, hey, Isla Vista is already packed. So all it takes is someone to play a drum, and you've got an audience. Yeah, and is the show inside, or are you playing like out on someone's like front patio? Yeah, on the street. That's the move. Yeah, so like the patio is right there. The street's in front of us, so you have a million people walking by. So people are walking by drinking. They'll just stop and hang out, and uh, and we're going for it, man. And then we, for some reason, I I always loved the songs that that drama rama song. Yeah, any anything. Any. I just thought it was a fun song, so we decided to actually cover it. Forced greeters, like, yeah, let's cover it. Why not? I mean, makes all the girls happy. And I'm like, all right, this next song's called Anything, Anything, and we just started playing that, and it was. (laughs) <laughs> we were all, you know, all these girls are singing, right? And I'm having fun with it. And then something happened. I don't know. 
you know what I mean? It's always out of the corner of your eyes when something happens, right? Sure, sure. I see something flying. I see a beer bottle going. Next thing I know, I see a cop coming over, another cop. And, and like any good punk rock band, no matter what's going on, you just keep playing. Sure. And chaos ensued, man. And someone got hit and a cop got, another cop got hit and there were people screaming and we're just all, anything, anything. <laughs> 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 wow, dude, someone pulled the plug. You're like, anything, anything. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. You know, it's like, yeah. People were screaming and fighting, their fists being thrown, and their sticks being thrown, and, and I'm I, I thought it was just, I'm I'm laughing the whole time, trying to get my like little microphone, you know, together. And <laughs> Donovan's like, I need I need help. You yeah, know? he's got a kit. <laughs> I got a drum set to break down. Yeah, I don't remember how. I honestly, I do not remember the rest of the night. <laughs> so yeah. how we got out of there, and here I am, years later, talking to you about it. But yeah. it was a it was a riot, man, for sure. Yeah, to, <laughs> to be young, right? There were a lot of people that you could probably talk to that were more familiar with exactly what happened that night. But. Nah, the story's been I told. I, I just that's the fun thing about the pod know. is I don't get sick of hearing the stories, and uh, you know, people that uh, tune in, it's like the same. I think because what yeah. what it is is everyone painting a different angle of a story, right? We all remember exactly. things different, and we all put things in different context. So exactly, that's know. what makes a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. One of the Clenshaws, and John Clenshaw, or his brother, was definitely involved. I remember seeing his face <laughs> there. <laughs> you know? No last names. No last names. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no. So that that catches us up. So I can put the other in. I'll edit this, okay. and uh, I. Uh, Man, I'm sorry that oh. happened. I'm sorry that you were the victim of the Nard curse, but uh, maybe it's an honor. You know, shit happens. Hey, throw it out there. I'll be the victim of the Nard curse. Moving <laughs> on, shit. Yeah. yeah I'm looking, looking forward to hearing how, how it all comes out and edited. And um, thank you for taking the time and, and redoing it. So it's like out of the way now. No, th- good. Thanks yeah. for being so generous with your time. And uh, is there anything else you want to say or anything you feel like you didn't no. get out the first time? No, I'm I, probably just making shit up if I said anything else. I'm just trying to remember like the, the facts, and I'm glad I talked about disordered youth because they they were a real influence yeah. for a lot of us back then. And I forgot to even talk about them the first time, you know, and, uh, you know, mentioning like Vermicious Canids and Dick Circus, and those are like, I wrote these for them afterwards. But, you know, things just got messed up, and I hope you have the rest, and whatever whatever's going to happen on the podcast comes out, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm happy. <laughs> cool. You feel like you've been well represented. Perfect, All right, cool. <laughs> hey, and you're always welcome back. So when we when me, Joe, and Stu do stuff, we're always looking for a, a fourth Absolutely. man for a fourth man to shoot the shit. Sometimes, so we'll oh, we'll bring yeah, you back on at some point. I'd love that. All right, cool. Thanks so much for your time, Rob. All right, Jack. Have a great evening, brother. All right, you too, man. Goodbye. Okay. Bye. All right. Now I'm going to patch in the second part of the Rob interview with Joe and Stu. And uh, here we go. Bring on Rob Calvert. Here we go.
Yeah, who knows? That yeah, little glitch there. Whatever. Yeah, it was almost like when uh, the guy shut off your amp at Laser Star, oh, Joe. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> except, except it was Stu's foot. <laughs> I was going to kill the security guard. What happened? Uh, we played Laser Star, and some guy, the security guy, like, just turned the power off. Which turned my amp off. Yeah, he like killed the power. But I, yeah, but I had just gotten it was like my first tube head, and I freaked out. Like, yeah, you know, you're supposed to put it on standby first, and then and then turn it off to let it discharge properly. Yeah, like other tubes pop. Yeah. You know? So Joe explained yeah. to him like the proper way of turning off the amp in a very calm manner. A very calm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, bro. Yeah, first you got to put it on standby. Then you got to shut off the amp. I was animated <laughs> and a little bit loud. Rob's, Rob's seen it many times. Did <laughs> you like, throw headphones at him? <laughs> yeah, no, that was another time. Uh, I think he threw a symbol, not headphones. Oh, he was uh, he was not he was he was upset about the headphones, so he threw he frisbeed a symbol at Tony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where were we? Clutch fist, just uh, talking in general shows. Like, oh, right, right, right. Where, the where, ball show of the... Uh, the uh, You're talking about the Jughead show at the Armory and saying Armory it's, not li- it's not going to live up to an Isla Vista riot, but what yeah. is? Yeah. Those are the only ones I really remember, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. we, it was like, it was like uh, Clench Fist and Burning Dog were always doing stuff together or trying to. Yeah. And didn't... Was Burning Dog your first band? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Dignity became Burning Dog, so yeah. Because you played a show at a house party near where um, down there, Ocean View. It was like your first time ever like jamming. Remember that? Um, F Street was Boothie's house at my first show. That was it. Yeah. What band were you in? That was Dignity. Dignity, which was Keebler, myself, Dean, Dean McCarty. What year is that? That was eighty-eight. Holy crap! Eighty-nine. I don't know. Eighty-eight. Okay, see, I'm getting my dates all mixed up. Yeah. But um, no, nah, Clenchfist, we didn't stick around too long. I mean, we ended up doing the um, you know the reflection song that ended up being on the localism album, and we were real big on doing our own merchandise. You know, mm-hmm. we'd make we'd make the shirts in Forrest's oven. Yeah, you know, and we made our stickers, and we'd go to uh, all these shows. And there was this one venue that was right off the freeway, where now they're like Deja Vu Horse Shacks. Yeah. yeah, whatever. We'd go to we'd hang out there and just give out you know our, our our stickers and yeah. stuff. And um, the problem was with me is I, I just couldn't, I was on probation. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I couldn't be around alcohol. I couldn't be around this. So I was constantly going to jail for like probation violations. So that just kind of caught up with every, everyone. And I'm like, throughout Rob is obviously <clears throat> not down to like, you know, put this thing together. And it's too bad because it's like, you know, the, the song was getting some popularity and um, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep things together. And so I, I was like, I was out right around, 96. Yeah. <laughs> was well, a killer song. Yeah. <laughs> so can't take that away from you. Yeah, there were some, there were some fun times. I wish we could have done more with it, but, you know, things went on, and Joe did a bunch of stuff, and stuff happened, but... Yeah, well, everyone's going to hear the song because um, this episode we are going through Stu's comp, the hey. Reflections cassette compilation. Um do you have a label? Exciting. Uh, FTK Records. FTK for Records. The, for the kids' records out of Port Wayne, Cool. So, yeah. Um, Fine. Everyone's going to hear it, and it's the title track. There it so, is. That's pretty sick. Yeah. The two got uh, Nowhere Fast and Reflections on there. There we go. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I love reflections. But I mean, Donovan's just got some powerful drumming on that. Song. Yeah, the toms. And if you actually go on YouTube, there's a video of that song of, of me of me singing that song. If you want to see me like completely drunk, but we jammed it. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you get a chance to see Henry Knowles at some point in the video that uh, Joe Reeves uploaded for us. Yeah. So if you go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, Burning Joe YouTube, um, there's all sorts of. Um, Live recordings uh, from what was the name of that bar? El Tabatio? or no, no. the Camelot. The Camelot. Room. Oh yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah. I played there. Yeah, with Against All Odds, we were all underage, <clears throat> yeah. so we had to show up and set up and then leave. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of there's like two or three different Burning Dog shows on there, and mm-hmm. one Clinch Fish show and Clinch Fist pounds. played the Camelot Room. Yeah. yeah. Sick. You can actually type F-A-Y-Y. you type in Clench Fist on YouTube and that video pops up. Oh, that Camelot sick. show. F A Y with Justin singing, so before Dave took over. Uh yeah. some last yeah. in line. Last in line too. too. So, yeah, and that would have been around ninety five, right? Ninety five for that. Uh I'm gonna say it's ninety five, yeah. Hmm. Then, Our friend Richie had uh worked at this bar that his aunt owned. I think he still works there. Um, and he's like, "Hey, bring bring some bands and play this thing." So we just show up and you know, it was wonderful. Yeah, and give us yeah. Free, free beer. He's he's well. That, mm. The first show he gave us free beer. That was the, uh, the the deal. And then after that, he never gave us free beer anymore. But he brought us sandwiches and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a fun time. Ninety five was really cool for me. Um, also, like at that time, I was also kind of like roading, sort of for like Vermicious Canids and uh, Dick Circus. Mm-hmm. At the time, and they were doing stuff out. They were always getting killer shows out in like Santa Monica, at cool venues. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought festival was still around doing their thing at the Just time. A bit, yeah. yeah. So I would like. Pico was really focused on FAY at that time. So, yeah. so as as opposed to like not always focusing on Clench Fist, but always like helping out other. That's just what it was. You just yeah, yeah, hung yeah. with bands. It was a community. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's talk um, a little bit of positivity because you did. You got sober. Yeah. You want to talk about that? If you want. Well, it's part of your life, right? So let's let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, it was a trip because, um, like I said, in 1994, it all ended, man. I had a gun in my face from the Oxnard Police Department. They raided the house, and um, they're like, you're done. And they found a bunch of dope, and I was like, that's it. And unfortunately, it would be another couple of years before I actually kind of grasped, grasped mm-hmm. like being clean. You know, uh, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations, you know, through clenched fists. And I was just trying to, like maintain the band but like i'm not i'm not a dope fiend mm-hmm. except when me and donovan would get together it'd be a wreck you know four was just like you guys can't do that here we're like fuck you dude <laughs> <laughs> you <know. laughs> so you guys fucking high rock and roll you know no man no 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 what no, 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 no. are you talking about yeah. <laughs> and i worked for this like like this like agency well i can't say i worked for them our friend had a stripping Business and she had this place out down by market way past Salzers and you know men would come in and get massages and and she let me and Donovan like kind of hang out to be like security after hours and Donovan would set his drum set up in the back and we just like rail it up in there just you know just high as fuck and Donovan would play drums like all night and we'd light the candles and I would like sing stuff and he'd play drums and we were just sweating <laughs> so so <Yeah>. epic. <laughs> I'm like, how you doing? Like, you know, three in the morning. And I think the beginning, you know, the, the, it's funny. Like, the, the, that's, I think, where Reflections was born in that room. 
when he would just plank just with yeah. candles on, sweating just ten thousand in, in, in his candles. Underwear. Yeah, dude. Dude, I think I got something here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think why yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that went on for a while, and then finally, you know, they um, I was um doing another violation of probation. I was in work furlough in Camarillo, and I brought drugs into. You know, a correctional facility, and they busted me in the facility with drugs. They're like, "You're going to prison. You are done. Bringing drugs into our facility, you're done." And luckily, I ended up going to court. I found a judge who was uh, lenient and said, "This no one's ever offered this guy a program." And I said, "That's me, man." And uh, my clean date is September twelfth, nineteen ninety six. I've been I haven't used drugs or alcohol in twenty three years. Yeah, shout out to that judge, yeah. huh? So, yeah, thank God. You know, people need to get treatment. It's a yeah, it's an illness. It's not. It's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. you can't be incarcerating everyone that fucking does. Drugs. It was a big win for me, but at the same time, it was kind of bittersweet because the people who I wanted to hang out with was my music scene, but my music scene was like almost toxic for me at the time. Sure. So I was trying to like figure out like should I get into re- the recovery group and do I want to like I would still Forrest would still would take me to to NA meetings. Mm-hmm. He was cool like this. I'll take you, you know, and I was just trying to get to know people. But slowly I was moving away from the scene, the active scene, because I was trying to get clean and just find my place, you know. And now that I've found my place, things are been. Thank thank you, Joe, for keeping the scene alive and, and Stu and you guys doing what you do, because now there's like, I don't know, like a reemergence. And thank yeah. you for doing your podcast and bringing all this stuff together. So it's like, yeah, I'm older now. Fuck, I'll be 50 next. I'll be 50 this year. What Sick. the fuck? R.I.P. Hardcore R.I.P. <laughs> Joe, uh, what year did you get clean? I got clean about Same six year. months before Rob. Okay. Yeah. And did you guys lean on each other at all? Um, not, not the first four years. Uh, Joe embraced the whole straight edge thing, which I was like, "What's up?" Yeah. That see, about? see, he. I knew what it was about, but I wasn't. Rob took meetings, and I took straight edge, and tried to make that my thing. Yeah. You know, and it didn't. I mean, I stayed clean, but I was a fucking mess where his life was getting better and he got a job and it was, you know, he had all these things stacking up. He got a car and he got this and he got that, you know, right. not that material things are important, but they they are important at the same time. Right? They could be notches of yeah, vehicles. To- and and mm-hmm. my life was just getting more and more fucked. Yeah. I was you- fucking angry all the fucking time. And uh, there was just, you know, all this, all this stuff. And then, you know, whatever girl at that time left and then, then. Yeah. I was I was ready to fucking use again, and I called him. He didn't he, he didn't answer, uh, so I left him a message. But I was I was me and Mitch, my 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 friend Mitch, were ready to go, get get you know get liquor. I, I just I just wanted a drink. And as I'm locking the door to to the to the business I worked at, I worked at the the Daily Grind, the coffee shop downtown. I'm locking the door, and the phone rings. And I said, Oh, hold on a second. I unset the alarm and. Answered the phone and it was Rob. I told him what's going on. I said, oh, "I'll be there in five minutes." Hey, sick! How about that? And everything yeah, changed. Yeah, I'm still angry, but not the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can be in hardcore and not be straight edge, but also not use drugs. So it's possible. And if you do use drugs, that's okay too. That's your thing. Do it. Yeah, more power to you, man. If you're yeah. like out there having a good time, go for it. But go if your on. life is Do unmanageable, if you're fucked up, there are ways out of that. So just throw that out there. Not call not, Rob. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll put his uh, number on here after, just for the Patreons. If you, if you need a sponsor, smash that Patreon. Yeah. You can get Rob's number. So, so on the, on the, I'll sponsor I, I, I wanna, you. I want to say this again. On the Patreon, you're going you're gonna to put the, uh, oh. the, the the love line thing that I sent you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, that's, whole, I, the whole clip. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, that's, I think right. that's a good move, right? So yeah, good. yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. And yeah. you've heard the love line clip several times. Yeah. yeah. And got done completely out of resentment. Yeah. Near the back. Okay, good. So, <laughs> no, that's great. Fuck um, Ricky. Yeah, Rattler. maybe maybe we can have him uh, set that up uh, like a separate record. Yeah. Just to set up why yeah, yeah. he did that. Yeah. For sure. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, that's great. I think that'll be awesome. I think we've covered all your music and stuff. Anything else you want to talk about? No, it's all, like I said, it's it's, it's a blur into the jumble of like, I need you to go, what happened in 88 and 93? Okay, because yeah, there were some weird years there. Yeah. And all I can really remember about the early <clears throat> scene, like I said, I'll reiterate, was mostly it was like house parties, like whose house are we going to and where can we set up? Yeah. And you didn't have a party in, in Wainimi or Oxnard unless there was a band. That's just yeah. how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Someone set up. Yeah. I, well, that's why we're we're doing this. Is everyone's painting a little piece of the picture? Yeah, you know, is no one can remember everything. Is Jesus? You get enough people though. Yeah, that picture yeah. becomes more bright. Oh, sure, right? Yeah, right. Oh, very, very poetic. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, you very you, much. You put it together. Do you feel like you've been well represented, <laughs> Joe? Have I? I don't know. Have you? I don't know. I'll, I'll be driving going. Oh, I should have said that. Oh, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Trust me. <laughs> Definitely. Those motherfuckers. They edited that part out. <laughs> no, no edits. <laughs> We don't edit. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. Love you, dude. Love you.